Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast. Look at the Halloween franchise from now until sometime in mid-January. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always, my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? I'm all right, Darren. Yeah, yeah. We, we've had some rough weather lately. I've been spending a lot of time in bed. But I'm, I'm, I think I'm on the up and up. How, 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 how are you getting on, Darren? Yeah, I, I had a, a an illness recently as well, actually. I had my second round of COVID, which was, you know, knocked me for a loop. But it's good because it actually does stop you. So I actually got to sit on the couch and watch movies. It was fantastic. Uh, it's it not just, that different. It's not really that different, <laughs> except I was watching them for pleasure and not to, like, digest them and discuss them as artifacts of 90s pop culture. <laughs> I, yeah, I do fi- sometimes find that it's like for years after I stopped... Um, saying grace after meals I would sometimes sit down whenever it felt like a grace uh, grace before meals kind of situation like where there's five people around a table I would find myself automatically doing it there is a sense when I sit down to watch a movie now (laughs) I'm not doing it for the podcast I take out my phone to start making notes and I realize that I don't have to And that moment of liberation when you put the phone down. (laughs) Um, But joining us for this discussion, as she has for the previous five installments, as she will for the next seven, the wonderful Joey Kyo. How are you, Joey? My curse is doing these 13 (laughs) movies. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Although Andrew brings up an interesting point. Someone once asked me if I watch movies differently, if I'm going to review them. And I'd never considered it before. But it kind of made me stop and think, like, Darren, do you watch stuff differently if you're reviewing it? I th- I think I watch stuff differently if I am, like, suffering from a disease that limits my attention span. And it's great. Right, right, right. Um, so, like, when I when I had COVID, I was on the couch with a duvet watching John Carpenter movies. And I, like, nod off halfway through Christine and wake up halfway through, like, you know, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. It was great. Best way to watch those movies. <laughs> And Luke, what about yourself? We've got a fantastic Luke Dunn joining us for this conversation. Do you watch movies differently when you know you're going to review them? I feel like I do sometimes if I know I'm going to be writing about a movie or if I'm going to be talking about a, a movie like on a podcast or whatever. I feel like I am not more generous, but at least going in open eyed being like, okay, there's got to be something. Oh, that's good of you. I'm not like that. <laughs> there's got to be there's got to be something to commend or there's got to be some reason that I'm watching. I think it's more Joey that I'm trying to make my own time worthwhile. <laughs> You're <laughs> you like know? this can't be it. <laughs> there's got to be a reason that I watched Halloween 6. There has to be a reason Darren asked me. <laughs> Cuz otherwise I'm just wasting my 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 life. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, Luke We've had a pool of rotating guests on the podcast for this season covering the Halloween movies, and we've asked each of them, and we'll ask you now, what is your relationship to the Halloween franchise? How do you feel about Michael Myers? Have you watched them all? How do you feel? To understand my relationship to the Halloween (laughs) movies, first we must um, understand the context under which... Yeah, sorry. Um, Um, I I wouldn't have seen very many of them. (laughs) I've seen Halloween 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I, I, I oh. dipped out entering into this little mini trilogy within this series. <laughs> You're better uh, off. But even like the most recent ones, I've kind of, I've, I've seen maybe a handful of those, but they can kind of be hard to keep track of. I have, I have many thoughts about, you know, Haddonfield as a town and some of the recurring kind of bits that ha- this, this, this series keeps coming back to even though sometimes it doesn't want to, sometimes it wants to too much mm. and stuff like that. 
but uh like halloween is great you know halloween is you know it, it kind of launched a a genre for the reason it wasn't the original but it was kind of the, the best the defining executed in, in in that early run of of slashers and its own series has kind of struggled to emulate that ever since <laughs> and it's so- it's tried a lot of different avenues to kind of get back to that original magic but but never kind of fully gotten there and i think this movie that we're going to talk about today is uh, a very good example of that failure <laughs> <laughs> Had 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 so had you seen four and five? Yes, before sitting down to watch this. No, this okay. is going to be interesting. I, I'm 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 familiar with how they, what 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 happens in them, uh, and the kind of the kind of pivot that they take. Right. Because I was wondering, Darren, uh, we mentioned this before we started recording. Why, as I am often wondering when you bring me on, I was wondering why me, but um. I, I remember Often with a god at the end. Why me, God? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I I do remember. I I wrote an article for Film in Dublin a couple of years ago now um, about Halloween and about Michael Myers, and it was called "Why Do Children Love Michael Myers?" <gasps> I remember oh, that. Yes. yes, they do. They really cause, do. Because kids love. They really identify with Michael Myers. You see all the videos of them like hugging him and stuff. Yes, with the outfit, it's so those. adorable. Yeah. They love dancing with Michael Myers. They love hugging him. They love hanging out with him. He's kind of like a mascot kind of character to a certain kind of kid. And I I, I try to uh, figure that out. And I think um, one of the reasons that I touched upon in that is because kids have not seen Halloween 4, 5, and 6. <laughs> <laughs> so they not, not, not because those movies are bad, but because they don't know that Michael is just as willing to kill small children as he is to kill anyone else or, or to pursue children or, you know, to have odd relationships with them. Yes. So, yeah, the, the, the kind of thorn saga or whatever you want to call it, I, I had a familiarity with it, but it wasn't until watching this particular one that I fully got to experience the <laughs> full range of, of, of how fascinating uh, the, the, the thorn conspiracy uh, is. Every rose does have its thorns, Luke. Yeah, and I got yep. stung badly. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're, you're a three apologist? Um, I think se- three... Season or which? I think three is... It's a very good idea, and I think it's I, it's an enjoyable movie. I don't think it's a perfect execution, but I think they should have stuck it out. Right. And I think you see in this this four, five, and six, I think you can see the kind of like the the miss the the poor execution of like pivoting back to Michael Myers Michael. and that lingering like oh, but we should do different kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to kind of do both at the same time doesn't, doesn't work, work very well <laughs> at all. It doesn't. You know. No, there's a kind of uh, there could be a. Uh, is uh, there is a kind of it feels like there's an inevitable well not inevitable but it um unsurprising kind of cre- creative poverty in returning to the well yeah because uh, there's not where, actually that much there <laughs> you know? right we, exactly kind of, well i mean he's literally called the shape. which wasn't really a problem with the first movie no yeah. well it was a very yeah. self-contained story and carpenter himself exactly. was like no, why are we going back to the well? There's no 
I've said everything I want to say. There's nothing else to it. Which again, isn't, it's not an insult. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a simple idea. It was quite spare and, and yeah, like, perfectly executed. Yeah, yeah. What I want to ask before we jump in, we normally, we talk a little bit about context here and I want to get like, because we have Joey, a horror expert, expert on the show, because we have Luke as well. I want to ask like, the early 90s are generally regarded as something of a fallow would be a generous way of describing a period in terms of mainstream studio horror. So in the 1970s and late 70s, you had the emergence of slashers. In the 1980s, you had the big horror franchises. And then in the 90s, up until Scream happens in 1996, there's generally this impression that the major horror franchises have run their course, that, you know, studio horror isn't really making the money that it used to. Joey, what's your impression of early 90s horror, just to set us up for this movie? I mean, I would agree with that, definitely. I think we sort of, when we look back at 90s horror, almost have rose-coloured glasses on because of Scream. And I mean, Scream is like my probably my favourite horror movie of all time, one of my favourite movies of all time. And what's interesting about this is, this came out the year before. Yes, but when you watch it, you can see kind of little bits of Scream in it, more so in H2O, obviously, which is just, you know, has bits of music and everything. We'll talk about that when we get to it. But yeah, early 90s horror, it, it, it was definitely a fallow period. I mean, even thinking back on it now, when you asked, I'm like, I can only really think of Scream as a movie from that time that I really, really love and go back to. But... Whoa. I mean, what 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 about like Silence of the Lambs? Um, so I've never been able to get through Silence of the Lambs. It really freaks me out. Right. So okay. So I completely believe that it's brilliant, but I've never it. I still can't at thirty five years old. I cannot sit down and watch that film. But, uh, uh, but it's a good example of yeah, definitely. But for years, it wasn't considered a horror movie. And right. Today, it's still contra- If you describe that as the first horror film to win Best Picture, there's you get a little bit of a... You do. A like, you get attitude, yeah. yeah. Or it's like if... if yeah, Are we considering the alien movies like as, you know, slashers with aliens in them? Or, well, that's another... Remember or a couple is, years ago? Is, is Seven a horror movie? <laughs> well, um, Seven is the same year that this comes well, out. The, yeah. The, the well, alien movies of the 90s, famously beloved... <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say. Beloved by like by Andrew. Andrew. He's just beating that drum. But it did come up. It did come up a couple years ago. Remember that aliens alien, sorry, wasn't horror because you can't do horror in space. There was like that whole bullshit argument. Yeah. And we did when we talked about it, we talked about whether or not it's a slasher, and it kind of is in the same way the shining is a slasher as well. Right. Like they belong in that run that goes from like nineteen seventy nine to or nineteen seventy eight to nineteen eighty one, which I will list now in alphabet. <laughs> um, now Andrew Andrew made a reference to it there I do have because this is a list based podcast I've learned from our previous episodes Andrew doesn't like when I do long lists <laughs> anymore so I'm just going to do a series of short lists so that's right. what we're going to do this week that's going to be our bit a list of lists a list of lists if you will <laughs> um, but I just want to say like I want to check in with where the major horror franchises were in the gap between 1989 which is when Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, and Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. By the released. way, I, I, I like ludicrous things. <laughs> I was just like in the middle of them, like the point how, how, how long this is going for. <laughs> it was six whole minutes, to be fair. Um, but you saved that you for the major... Halloween Resurrection. Wasn't ludicrous in that? 
Oh no, Buster Rhymes. <laughs> no, Buster Rhymes. Buster Rhymes. Don't worry, yeah. I have a ludicrous list prepared for that one. That's fine. <laughs> um, but like just checking in on where the major horror franchises were in the gap between 89 and 95, between five and six in the Halloween franchise. Like there's a definite vibe to like what the mood of like mainstream horror is. There's Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare in September 1991. There's Alien 3 in May 1992, which famously ends with the lead character burning herself alive as a chest burster breaks from her chest because she does not want to make another Alien movie. There's Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, released in August 1993. In September 1994, there's Puppet Master 5, The Final Chapter. There's Wes Craven's New Nightmare in 1994. Oh, and there's Candyman Farewell to the Flesh in March 1995. There's a real sense of... No Chucky's in there? Uh, no, Child's Play 3 would be I in know there. We, yeah, sorry, yeah. We, we've covered all of those. But Child's Play 3 is kind of... I guess it, do, it, does, it doesn't warrant a mention. In, I'm complaining <laughs> about now your list not being long enough. I, I know. That's, that's <laughs> never satisfied, Andrew. But I, I think it's just worth checking in on the major franchise and saying, like, there is this sense of fatigue. Yeah. There's this sense of, like, the 80s are over. We've run out of cocaine. We're all feeling pretty crappy. Maybe we rode these things as long as we can and we can just milk one last. Ludes are the things that they ran out of, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, because there's a finite number of ludes. Yeah, that's fair. Um, But just a little bit of a quick... needs to be a Walter White for ludes. (laughs) (laughs) But the problem is that, like, you don't make them. There's a finite amount. Oh, you you mean to make more of them? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And this podcast is now coming to you from a Winnebago in the middle of, like, I guess, Tala, the industrial state. It seems like such Tala. a simple idea. Why don't we make more of these? Yeah. Um, okay. So to talk a little illegal. bit about Halloween 6. That would be a crime, sir. <laughs> and we do not endorse crimes on this podcast. Uh, it is worth... T- so obviously this movie, we talked about Halloween 5 was rushed into cinemas to capitalize on the success of Halloween 4. And then Mustafa Akkad, to his credit, was like, oh, not doing that again. Uh, so it's like, look, we're going to take the time. We're going to figure out how to do this right. So he misses the release date of, like, October 1990 for Halloween 6. Around this time, the rights expire. And basically, the Halloween franchise goes up to the auction block, right? There are two main bidders for it. Again, Universal rules itself out. So the two main bidders are John Carpenter and New Line Cinema. John Carpenter, New Line Cinema, New Line Cinema. (laughs) Already own the Friday the 13th franchise and the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Wow. And Carpenter is like, I have got an idea for Halloween 6. Now, keep in mind, his idea for Halloween 4 was, what if we shoot Michael Myers and he grows to be 12 feet tall? So his idea for Halloween 6 was Earth basically has enough of Michael Myers, so they kill him and then they ship him off into space, but he crashes into a space station and hell breaks loose. Basically, Jason X. He predicts the plot of Jason X. And see, that would be so much more fondly remembered now. Yeah, I love Jason X. There was talk of me writing and directing Halloween 6. John Carpenter's in Jason X, is he? Or is that Wes Craven? No, it's uh, Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Cronenberg ah. appears in Jason X. There was talk of me directing uh, Halloween I 6. named the one guy. <laughs> <laughs> I had an idea for it which would have changed it. Correctly and totally changed it forever so they couldn't go back. 
I love like I love John Carpenter's energy of like if I ever get my hands on this franchise again, I am gonna ruin it so bad. Yeah. So, so bad. But eventually the rights end up it's like the, when he's saying that, does he believe it? It's like I will do something irrevocable <laughs> <laughs> to, this, to this franchise. I kind of feel like, like they'll need a bit to of... pay like real attention <laughs> to what, and they they can't just make a movie that has got n- nothing to do with it, or they can't just pick up on stuff that <laughs> that that has been done away with later on. Yeah, they can't deboot it, right? They can't just <laughs> pretend the movie that I made never happened, right? That'd be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of like the kind of it's almost fetishistic where it's like he's like I'm going to put them in a situation pretend, so bad. Our 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 pretend that it's just a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um but and then obviously Yes, it happened, but it was a movie. <laughs> but it ends up the rights end up going to Miramax, the Weinstein studio, who release it under their Dimension brand. Now, question for the room, Andrew likes competition, fingers on buzzers. Ooh. The Weinsteins get a hold of the rights to Halloween in 1994. Who is the first filmmaker they asked to make a Halloween movie? Uh, can I buzz? Buzz. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino? That is correct. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> they, that was... they asked Quentin Tarantino, fresh off the success of Reservoir Dogs, would he like to make a Halloween movie? He and- says no. He says yes. Of oh, course okay. he says yeah. yes. I was thinking like, yeah, it feels like he'd he'd be really excited to do it. Yeah, and he's like, and you want to know what his pitch for this Halloween 6 was? Knowing that Tarantino never gives up on an idea. Only if you do it like Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Um, Michael. He's really fucking excited. He's like, he's been he's down the street for the first time. He's all out in the road. And then you got the man in black, right? Man in black, he's got spurs on his feet. You see spurs on your feet? What do you think? You think cowboy, right? I'm thinking cowboy. I'm thinking like Clint Eastwood. But we don't got the budget for Clint Eastwood. So I'm thinking Lee Van Cleef. That's what I'm thinking. Now, look, you've seen Michael Myers. He's been in a village. He's been in a small town. Everywhere he's been. Where have you not seen Michael Myers? Space. Space. John Carpenter already pitched that idea. <laughs> um, oh, underwater. It's It's... <laughs> Halloween six, the shape Route of water sixty six. Wow, it's gonna be a road movie yes. in which Michael Myers and the Man in Black, played by Lee Van Cleef, basically travel up and down Route sixty six on a killing spree. But, this bears no small similarity to the script that Quentin Tarantino eventually writes for Natural Born Killers. Um, but apparently, yeah, Miramax are like not really what we're feeling here. Not really the vibe we're going for. And Tarantino was like, okay, well, I got to take Pulp Fiction to Cannes anyway. How about you hire Scott Spiegel, the guy who worked with uh, Sam Raimi on the Evil Dead movies to make this movie? And they're like, eh, don't really think so. So they go through a round of development there. And basically the movie goes through development hell. Famously, at one point, it was going to be called Halloween 666. Yes, I heard that. Yes. Good good title. That's up there with Jaws 3 people now. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good, that's a good title. To, uh, Tommy H- Dial Doyle H2 was H2 DSO which we'll be doing next week <laughs> that is very good actually it is good but um, Tommy Doyle was always going to come back Bob Weinstein's big pitch like apparently the big pitch he kept making during the development of this movie was that it had to include Vior it's like where hasn't Halloween gone yet and somebody says space and he says shut up and they say Route 66 and he says shut up he says virtual reality that was apparently the pitch. There was going to be a whole VR subplot. And the movie would end 
with them opening a portal that sends Michael Myers back to hell. Like Jason. <laughs> like, like Jason. <laughs> now, that that uh, that did not come to pass. I, I really feel like part of the reason, because these movies always seem to circle around development hell, the, these particular yeah. kind of landmark horror franchises. And I feel like a big part of that is because some of these executives are getting them mixed up. <laughs> I think you're right. I feel like Harvey Weinstein was like, oh yeah, you oh, know Bob, the, Bob, the Bob, Bob Weinstein. Sorry, he's like, oh yeah, with the hockey mask and the machete. Yeah, yeah, yeah Michael yeah. Myers. And it's like, no, that's the other one. It's the one who yeah. kills it in your dreams. Chris- that one. The, the- it comes from hell. Doll, little doll guy. Yeah, little He's a little guy. doll guy. Little guy. He does bits. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like if you got ten average people on the street and said, you know, which one is Jason and which one is Michael Myers, that you would get kind of fifty fifty. And I if think you so extrapolate too. that to like Hollywood executives, there's going to be a lot of confusion. Yeah, <laughs> people are dumb. Yeah, <laughs> like they're, they're, that's like what you always learn on those fucks popular things that um like late night talk shows oh god (laughs) is that they're really dumb they but i I suppose they all know that like there's something about him being vulnerable to garlic (laughs) Uh, um, thoughts on his neck right yeah Uh, yeah, exactly mustafa akkad how mustafa akkad eventually settles on the writer for this movie is daniel ferrand meets him at, I believe, a convention some point in the late 80s. And he hands Mustafa Akkad, not a script, not a pitch deck, he hands him a Bible, a Bible of Halloween facts that, like, Ferrand has carefully put together, charting the various families in Haddonfield, the maps of Haddonfield, the internal mythology of the franchise. And apparently Akkad is like, this is great. We have never had anything like this on the Halloween franchise. You've clearly put a lot of thought into it. How would you like to come and write Halloween 6? Which perhaps explains a lot about what Halloween 6 ends up being. Ferrand is like... Apparently it's like he's, a nerd's dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it is. It's you. You get it's, you get picked by the head of the franchise. Like you know the franchise better than anybody. You know it inside and out. You know all the nerdy like facts. King Dork. Yeah, they <laughs> were going to give you, you the crown. Yeah. People weren't as familiar with fan fiction back then, so they they couldn't say, "Oh, you should write fan fiction." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you should stay away from this forever and just stay in your room. And then Michael ah. goes to space. <laughs> or Route 66, or Route 66. <laughs> one of those two things. <laughs> Underwater level. <laughs> but, do, do, do. I've had that Ferran- stuck in my head all day. I will kill you. <laughs> I swear. It's so annoying. Do, 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 do. So, like, here's, here's Ferrand being quoted about it. I think Mustafa was very amused by the Bible and was also like, wow, you've really been thinking about this. The first treatment that I remember writing for Six was so big and there were so many ins and outs to it. He said, well, I think the first half of this is Six and the second half is Seven. And they're like, sorry, David Fincher's already making that movie. Ha! Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the, the whole thing is that like Ferran comes in and he basically says, I know the Halloween franchise in and out. I'm going to put that in a movie. So before we jump in there, Joey, do you remember the first time you saw Halloween 6? I feel like I saw it on TV during the day in Florida, like four and five. <laughs> and that's why they've all sort of melded together. I think I mentioned this on the on the five episode with like the man in black 
I I was waiting for him to show up more prominently. <laughs> so in this one, I was like, there he is. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw in the middle of, middle of the afternoon, was very confused. Watching them all in one go has kind of helped to elucidate certain points for me because before, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, four? Ooh, maybe? I don't know. But yeah, that's when I first saw it, was during the middle of the day. And to throw this question open to the room, do we all know which version of the film we watched? Did we watch the theatrical cut or the unrated producer's cut? So Luke, do you know which version you watched? I'm pretty sure I watched the producer's cut because I think the producer's cut has more scenes with Donald Pleasance. Yeah, and I oh. feel like I got a good bit of Donald Pleasance in this, but maybe Did I'm you get wrong. More than seven mm-hmm. minutes. Yes. Then yes. Okay. I think All so. Right. Too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I I think. We we will establish in the spoiler zone. Yeah. There 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 are questions that will <laughs> like aside from you know how how uh, from a scale of one to ten how much Pleasance yeah. <laughs> does this movie have? Yeah. I assume like there that there would be a smiley face next to ten. <laughs> it's a smiley face with a scar down the side of it, a burn mark does down the, the side of it. Does the theatrical cut does that have voiceover from Paul Rudd? Yes. Okay, so I watched the 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 the, the other one then because my my one had voiceover from Donald. You Pleasance. had Donald Pleasance. Yes. I mean, look, we will talk in the spoiler zone specifically about what changed, but the reason that this happened is that the movie production did not go well. Um, there are lots of famous stories um, or there are lots of stories that are told by the production team who worked on it, which were like while they were filming it, the producers would be on set and they'd be rewriting dialogue and scenes. There'd be moments where they'd set up shots and they'd just say, nah, we're just not doing that. Mm. There's a moment uh, early on in this movie where the camera starts to move towards a doorway and it's meant to evoke the start of the first Halloween movie. And you'll notice that it then just cuts into a child's bedroom. That was originally supposed to be like a big homage to the classic Halloween that would find the camera moving through the house into the child's bedroom. But apparently uh, the Weinsteins were like, nope, (laughs) just cut to the child's bedroom. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, stop that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm Um, wasting time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. So they screened the what is now the producer's cut um, for test audiences of young teenage boys. And their notes largely consisted of there was not enough blood, there was not enough gore, there were not enough boobs, and there was too much Donald Pleasance. Um, and Did, so, I mean, does it spoil anything to say like after uh, four and five, five there are the, more boobs? This is the return of Diddy's. Yeah, they're small yeah. boobs though, which I really they're appreciate. very very small. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> Watch yourself. <laughs> No, no, I also appreciate that. I, it, 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 uh, yeah, absolutely. But I love that this is a recurring segment on this Halloween season. But it, bear, it bears discussing. It does in terms of, again, body image in kind of 80s and 90s slasher movies. I. It is also worth noting that then they sent the production crew back. Now, there were several issues with sending the production crew back. First of which is that Donald Pleasance had died which made it very difficult to include him in any new footage that they had put together. Second issue is that the Weinsteins were not willing to pay to shoot on location in Salt Lake City. So all the uh, reshoots were done in California. So you may notice that if you were watching the theatrical cut. Uh, And the other thing is that basically they removed a lot of the core mythology stuff from the movie. They removed a lot of the Cult of Thorn stuff, which means that the movie makes absolutely no sense um, in the theatrical cut that was released. 
famously the director of the movie, uh, who was a Weinstein standby. I'm going to actually get his name here. I apologize for it. He refuses to talk about it. Um, while everybody else involved in the Halloween franchise has generally been happy to talk about their involvement and their history with the franchise, uh, Joe Chappelle has been like, no, I, I would very much like to be excluded from this narrative. Um, Chappelle, basically, he they had difficulty scheduling the reshoots because he was busy doing reshoots on the Hellraiser Bloodlines movie that the Weinsteins were also heavily reshooting before planning to release um, to give a sense of like how nasty the production churn was in these movies in the early 90s. So yeah, this is a, a, a disastrous... Oh yeah, were there any Cenobites in in that period in the early 90s? I would imagine there were. Yeah, they yeah. Go, they started going direct to video at that point, I think, wasn't it? Joey can correct me if I'm wrong here, right? Yeah, no, they did, definitely. God, he was he was attached to two pieces of shit. <laughs> okay, easy. Um, I think it's safe to say this was not the Joe Chappelle show, unfortunately. Um, all right, before we jump into the spoiler zone, Joey... Do you think Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, and we noted, by the way, that from like three to four, they downgraded from Roman numerals, numerals to regular numbers. Now they've just dropped numbers entirely. Enough of your fancy counting nonsense. <laughs> Do you think that Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, belongs on a list of either the 250 greatest or the 100 worst movies ever made? Definitely not 250 greatest. Probably not one of the 100 worst movies ever made either, though. I mean, a lot of bad movies have been made. Like, I always think of something like Birdemic, you know what I mean? Where you're just like, no, why was this made? So, yeah, no to both. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> and Luke, what about yourself? Yeah, no, I mean, I think this isn't, to be one of the 100 worst movies ever made, you have to be a disaster. This is yeah. just a failure, you know what yes. I mean? Yes, that's a good way of putting it. You can kind of see how this could have been a good movie if anything about it were good. <laughs> whereas like a really terrible movie is like just do out of curiosity do you know this was the fifth highest grossing horror movie of 1995 but it was a barren period as as you say and it's like it's interesting to see how yeah stuff gets like evaluated and re-evaluated because we're obviously in a much quicker cycle with how people do that now but scream was kind of really riffing on or, or, or kind of coming in a place where a lot of the tropes that I was talking about were tired. And although Scream was like lovingly referencing these things, I think a lot of the reaction to that then from audiences was like, oh, these are bad tropes. These are bad. Like ha horror is cheesy. Horror is bad and stuff like that. Yeah. Because they're kind of associating that tired period with the golden period. Yeah. And then you put that bit more distance between that, that kind of 80s and 70s heyday uh, and Scream, and you have the Scream movies themselves starting to get a bit more formulaic and tired, and suddenly they come back into favor again. You know, those those franchises then have like a new lease of life. But I think there was a period where like the, the kind of 80s slasher was kind of looked down its nose at a lot more than it is now. Yeah. I mean, even this movie has been reappraised. There's one particular critic who writes about it constantly. About how great it is. Ooh, interesting. We will include those in the show notes. <laughs> Which, like, I wouldn't agree with, but whatever. Do you? I want to just run down, like, again. Who Andrew... is that critic? <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're, allow we're allowed to say. Yeah. We are allowed to say, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with enjoying. Yeah. Oh, I can't uh, remember the name. <laughs> it's, oh, it's not doxing if there's a byline, you know. I would have yeah. <laughs> said it if I remembered, but yeah, it's... 
Oh, God. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Okay. All right. Andrew, you complained the list earlier in the episode was not long enough, so it's time to give you list number two. Let's talk about yes. every horror movie that was released in 1995. Together. The highest grossing horror <laughs> movie of the year. Andrew, I think you'll like this one. Natasha Henstridge, Michael Madsen. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, love, love, love the, um, uh, uh, watch my, oh, species. Why, why am I having, species. Yes, <laughs> it oh, is species. Sorry. All right, one point to Luke. We're not going to keep doing this, though, to be fair. <laughs> but it is. Great I, movie. The, the, yeah, high, $60 million. It's a Sharp Busters classic, that one. I always remember it on the shelves. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, with that sexy that- lady. Yeah, there it might have been a reason. Was, it was, to get yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason I wanted to see it. <laughs> I I remember that being like a constant rotation on TV as well. Like at eleven o'clock, if you were turning to network two at eleven o'clock at some point in the late nineties, you were gonna see a species. Is movie. it uh, like not? It's not a disappointment either as a movie. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you look at it, you're like sexy lady. <laughs> if she fucks people to death, <laughs> and it's like death by snooze too. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> I do. I do like that the producers had your number on that one. Andrew. It's like, what are the? What are, what's the poster? What are viewers gonna expect? Okay, at number two, it's a Tales from the Crypt movie. So anybody, feel free to buzz in on this. Tales from the Crypt movie, nineteen ninety five. Mm. Believe it stars William Sadler. What is this forgettable? Demon Knight. Oh, Demon Knight. Oh. And that only grossed 21 million. So it's a very sharp drop off. Well, this is from, number two. Right. That's number two. At number three, it's a Wes Craven movie. Oh, right. It's, it's not Scream. It's a new. It, uh, it's not New Nightmare, no? No. Well. That was the previous year. Uh, it stars Eddie Murphy. Vampire in Brooklyn. Oh. oh. <laughs> was that Craven? I hope that was Craven. We'll edit it out if it wasn't. <laughs> At number four, it's a franchise starter, starring Christopher Walken. Believe it also stars Viggo Mortensen. There are like dozens of these. Like I am stunned at how many of these there are. It's not Dead Zone. No, a franchise starter. That's not a franchise starter. Franchise. Yes. Yeah, Dead Zone. Well, it did have a TV show, to be fair, yeah, to give it credit. Is this going to be fucking, okay. like, Puppet Master or one of these bottom <laughs> of the barrel fucking I, think, I hate I think Puppet Master. I think we established that Puppet Master, Master was five on five, the was, final yeah, chapter. Yeah, that was the one. previous year, unfortunately. So it, this is Prophecy. The Prophecy. Oh. The, that had sequels? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Many of them, I believe, I walk and skip two returns, and came back for three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which was a good taste. All right, let's quickly run through the rest very quickly. Uh, in the Mouth of Badness, Six, the John seven, Carpenter eight, nine, movie. Ten. What is this? Hideaway, The Mangler, Candyman, Farewell to the, Fra- the Flesh, Village of the Damned, Tales from the Hood, not Leprechaun in the Hood, Tales from the Hood, Lord of Illusions, Mute Witness, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Is this the which, top 20? This is, no, these are just, there are only 15. So th- oh, okay. I've, so I've literally just named 14, so I may as well just tell you the 15th was <laughs> yeah. The Addiction. That's okay. mad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They only, they couldn't even do a top 20. Yeah. Like, it feels like now, in a month, you'll get at least, like, yeah. six or seven. Especially across, like, indie and mainstream stuff, definitely. Because it's such it's it's so, it's so such reliable bank, you know? Yeah, it is. And it's so cheap to make, too, yeah. And then you get into 96, where there are only 11, so this is the third list, and I promise this will be the final list. It, it feels like on that list that number one is a hit, and the rest yes. are turkey. <laughs> yeah, yes. it, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, somehow... Tr- 
turkeys, like the prophecy spawned four sequels. Wow. Um, but okay, so 1996, you have The Frighteners, which is the like the highest grossing horror movie. Yeah, of- it did quite well, didn't it? It did, but not well enough. Like, that was meant to be a blockbuster. That's the thing. It was meant to be, like, Peter Jackson is our guy, and right. he's going to come over to America and make movies for us. And then they're like, actually, maybe go over the other side of the world and make your Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> maybe just stay over there. Um, but you also have, then, like, the island of Dr. Moreau. Wow. Hey. Hey. Oh, yeah. Brando on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had all of the ingredients. <laughs> Marlon Brando, Val Kilmer. Yeah. Um, How could it go wrong? Yeah. Diabolique, uh, the remake, is in there as well. From Dusk Till Dawn. Yes. Very good. Um, yeah. And Andrew's like, I sense a theme to the movies that are succeeding at the box office here. 26 million there. The Craft. Oh, of course. Million. Oh, yeah. You know, so it feels like they're kind of coming into their own as a genre, right? Yeah, we're, we're getting more late 90s-esque kind of yeah. movies. The only horror movie released in theaters in when October... When is Buffy uh, uh, coming on, starting? It's around this time. It's like I yeah. think it's 96, because the film is, what, 93, right? I that didn't have a lot to do with it. Yeah. If I had to guess, I'd say Aside from yeah. Scream. Yeah. 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 Alright then, and then the only horror movie released in cinemas... Okay, let, let's do this. The only horror movie released in cinemas in October 1996. So three months before Scream. It's October. People are going to want to see a horror movie. You're a studio executive. You're like, what is the one slap bang title that we can drop in here that people are going to go, yeah, that's what I want to buy a ticket to on Halloween. I'll give you a hint. Stephen King movie. Anybody? Any takers? Um... Stephen King movie. Oh, um, uh, look, no, actually, I, <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, well, what's what's the toilet one? <laughs> what's the toilet? Uh, oh, Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher. Yeah, that, that's one. a bit later. That's much later, yeah, that's much isn't later, it? Because yeah. that's like, is it? It's not thinner, is it? Thinner is not. In yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ugh, thinner. That would be blows. <laughs> Directed by Tom Holland. Of Child's Play. Oh, Tom. Not Tom Holland of Spider-Man. That oh, would be Tom. quite a coup, though. It would. Um, Not the historian. <laughs> neither. Yeah. Uh, and then just to round it all out, you had like Hellraiser Bloodline, Screamers, Mary, Mary Riley. Remember that? The Dr. Jekyll, Mrs. Mr. Hyde movie with like Julia Roberts in it. Oh, yeah. I love that Andrew's like, that's not a movie. You're just making up. Wor- You're just throwing words together now. That was like, remember they had the prestige horror movies like Bram Stoker's Dracula or Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Mary Riley was the one that was like, what if we made a story about Dr. Jekyll's maid? Uh-huh. Starring... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Guys, I think this is a lost cause. The blue beetle of that particular trend. Like, <laughs> yeah. This gravy train's never going to run off I, the rails. I think they've announced actually that they're not going to release blue beetle. <laughs> They, 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 we've all seen the trailers for it, but it's not going to come out now. <laughs> it's retroactively. It never happened. It never <laughs> happened. Uh, and then obviously you have Delamarc, Delamore, and Bordello of Blood. Those were the only horror movies released in 96 before Scream. So 16 horror movies in 95, 11 in 96. Yeah, horror not in a good way. Mighty fine list, Darren. Thank you. <laughs> and so Andrew... Do you think that Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, belongs on a list such as that one, or a list containing, say, the 250 <laughs> greatest movies ever made, or the 100 worst movies ever made? Yeah, I'd say it, like, it belongs in the 1995 list. I, I, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I won't dispute that. Yeah. The um I don't think it's so bad. I I I, I actually don't. I I think I think it's better than 4. Um, wow. Do you? I think I think it's better than 5. Um I'm going to shock possibly. you both and say I hate it more than 3. Really? Yes. At least 3 is a coherent well, it, I story. also hate it more than 3. I do also hate it more than 3. I I like fair. 3. Yeah, you guys all like 3. <laughs> Um, or, or do I do I hate it at all? I, I, I like I don't I I think there are definitely problems with it, but like I I feel like it's more coherent with some of the nonsense that was set up previously. I think it makes sense that you have somebody who who is kind of like uh, encyclopedic taking over it. Yeah, because it, it, I I feel like it it does sort of um it is kind of logical in the world in which it it it, it aspires exists. to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way in which like Mustafa Akkad clearly wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it 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 it, it achieves what it wants to do in terms of that, and it's also kind of I think the performances are reasonably good. I think. I thought in in a way that I think the performances in four are just almost uniformly terrible, and 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 uh, well, I don't to, know. to be clear that that that, <laughs> that I that I that I gave um, the actor who played Jamie Lloyd um, a, a, Daniel a Harris Daniel Harris a pass because she was so good in five mm. and because of like her age, yeah. you know. Whereas the kids here, they stink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, I, 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 I don't think um, this is such a a, a bad movie. Um, but no, it doesn't belong to be under two fifty or the bottom one hundred. No, I wouldn't put it on the bottom one hundred. I, th- I, I think it's reasonably successful in terms of what it is. You know, you have a slasher movie, slasher comes and kills people, um, <laughs> and 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 you want to kind of like feel like. The movie made sense. I haven't uh, just been taken for a ride here and they have my money and I'm not getting it back. I, I feel like we should comment that Luke Luke feels like he's, he's putting on a pretty bad poker face there. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I saw the, the cut that made more sense. <laughs> I say more. <laughs> yeah, so I watched the producer's cut. Yeah, the honorary yeah, producer's but, cut. But, but th- I mean, we, we'll, we can talk about it, but this is a movie at war with itself. Yeah, I yeah. think I think there's, there's certain seconds maybe where it's it's getting cooking and then it, and then it the just, breaks pretty hard. Yeah, it's, it just falls off. It just consistently falls off the rails. For myself, uh, no to to either of those. I don't think it's it's memorable enough to be on either list. I think the theatrical cut of this is probably the worst Halloween. Resurrection is probably the only one that really gives it a run for its money. Mm. I think the producer's cut of this is controversially better than five which is a strange sentence to say out loud because mm. this is the only podcast where controversially better than five. Well, yeah, is, is this why the movie stinks so much is because of the kind of theatrical version? I think so. Like, again, yeah. one of the big drives of that was to make it more MTV. The editing is a lot faster. There's a lot more gore. There's a lot more emphasis on the younger characters. Um, a lot of, there's an obnoxiousness that really gets turned up. Whereas the producer's cut is a somewhat more traditional slasher movie i think yeah Um, scream coming out the very next year is a really good example of how when you the harder you try to do this has to be the horror movie for the 90s 
<laughs> like you're yeah. just really going to fail the the harder you try to do that whereas if you try to make a good movie and you're in the 90s you'll yeah. probably make the horror movie for the 90s all right There's and a lot of reference to it, it feels like it's kind of like hey what about these times that we're living in oh, so, oh andrew yeah. i have i have paid. that's that's list number four yeah. um but joey what about yourself would this be I'm on a, your have your... a summer slam <laughs> oh god <laughs> howard stern was on the radio um, but joey um would this be on your own personal 250 or 100 least favorite movies of all time again it probably wouldn't really make either just because as you say it's not memorable enough all right and luke having literally just watched this and how does it rank in terms of the Halloween franchise for you? A lot of the Halloween movies kind of bl- bl- blend together. I fear that this is not memorable enough for me to distinguish it as particularly bad. Mm. I feel as soon as we stop recording, I will <laughs> forget that I watched it. But that's that's part of what makes like I feel like it's more like a f- like a frustrating watch than like a you know when you're like aggravated by how bad a movie is. Yes. This is like, yeah. I wish this, this were more than it is. Uh, and you keep getting that sinking feeling that like nothing's going to happen for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> and then something happens and you're like, oh, maybe. And then nothing happens. And then it just <laughs> ends. You know? <clears throat> Halloween ends. That's like the thing that's <laughs> most frustrating about it. I mean, you think the ending to this is 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 bad. We won't go into spoilers, but like compare this to the ending of the theatrical cut, and this seems like a masterpiece that is perfectly woven together with the care and craft of like a true artist. It is the 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 ending to this is bizarre. <laughs> yeah. um, the, sorry, it's it it's a, just a bit. It's a bit Buster Rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> Not I mean, ludicrous. Lu- ludicrous. Not ludicrous. <laughs> no. um, all right, then, and Andrew, what about yourself? Would this be on your own personal two hundred and fifty, your own bottom one hundred? Um, no, no, it wouldn't. The, the, the um, I think, I think we, but, but like in in terms of ones that we've watched so far, because we 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 haven't seen Rob Zombie's Halloween, <laughs> so, I, so I can't comment. But the um, I, like obviously Halloween itself, yes, and then uh, three, if I was I rating them so far, it'd be three, yeah. And then maybe this or five. I don't, Ahead I, of two. Interesting. Yeah, it's just definitely. I think I'd put two last. Is it just because two like, is I, No, I'd, 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 I'd maybe put four last. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I hated how um, kind of needlessly kind of nasty two was. I, I don't think it was being consciously nasty. I think it was just like... Cynically, uh, like this is what you people want, right? Yeah, like, like, like the... the uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's that um, is very interesting. At the end of this, myself, you, and Joey will talk lists, um, <laughs> and we'll see how interesting that debate goes. I don't think we've uh, we have done enough. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, I, I'm more just lists. scrolling down here. More lists. Yeah, and then it's one of my favorite books, actually, as a child, was the book of lists. <laughs> and you were destined to this they, podcast, Andrew. They had like a book of of uh, men whose penises were preserved after their death and okay um like yeah all all sorts of uh, strange lists like that so like napoleon kazu ishiguro john dillinger and you read this as a child yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i think like darren if i was reading something it was fine yeah the parents were like yeah he's re- it's good it's meant to encourage his intelligence right it's meant to, to engage his education's brain i mean look there were 
we are, myself and Andrew are from the old Celtic lands and in the old <laughs> Celtic lands there were ancient ruins <laughs> and it was decided that one member of every tribe would maintain the list and so in order to preserve men's tribe, penises yeah. sorry by the way your Tarantino earlier was really good it was <laughs> put it you was on good. the spot it was good <laughs> um, I just say you know a lot I just say, like, right, yeah you know um, and I just like ask questions and don't give people time to answer that's the kind of, that's the key to a good Tarantino question um, and then for myself no neither of these lists <laughs> no. I, I have very little memory of this movie and I watched all the Halloweens two or three years ago and then finally, Joey, if listeners have not watched Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, would you recommend they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? The theatrical cut is on Paramount Plus or in Sky Store in the UK. Um, however, you can also rent or buy the unrated producer's cut. I would say, again, yes, if you're a completist, especially if you've been watching along with us and you've watched four and five and you're wondering who is that man in the fancy shoes? I mean, you got to find out. I would say watch Halloween 6. Otherwise, no, I would say just keep going. Just move on to H2O. Um, Save yourself. And, and Luke, what about yourself? Would you recommend watching the movie? Probably only if you are a completionist, because mm -hmm. I don't know that this has enough to stand on its own otherwise. Like, I wouldn't do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> just, just watch this. Just six. watch this. Yeah. I was gonna ask. I'd, I'd maybe do if you were gonna do that. Even just that middle trilogy, which is rough. Maybe it all ties together better. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you basically watch Return of the Jedi without having watched, you know, obviously Star Wars or The Empire Strikes Back. You watch The Rise of Skywalker without watching The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I suffered for no reason. <laughs> but pain leads to suffering, Lucan. Suffering leads to anger. I think you had anyway, that the wrong way around. But I, did, yes. I think I got that the wrong <laughs> the way around. The point is I'm angry and I'm suffering. <laughs> uh, and Andrew, what about yourself? Would you recommend listeners pause the podcast? Um, and stream and stream the movie. Like, Not just pause I, the podcast. Just take a breather. Um, so, like, maybe. I, I I kind of enjoyed this. But there, there there's, like, do we do we talk a bit about, like, trigger warnings? Like, they're specific to this? Yes, uh, that's fair. There are There are things that this movie deals with, which are... Maybe a bit heavier than you expect even yeah. a Halloween movie to be dealing with. Yeah. Particularly in the producer's cut, to be fair. That stuff, that it will surprise nobody on this podcast or nobody who's seen the movie that that stuff was edited out of the theatrical cut. It was one of the first things to go. Right. And we'll talk about like the particulars of it in the spoiler zone. So yeah, there, there, there are reasons why you might want to watch it. And, and also, I think if you are going to watch it, and I, I think we're mostly recommending that you do, but if you are going to watch it, don't watch it with subtitles. Yes, the subtitles the, are not great. The sub subtitles are not good, and, and also they give, they away, they give away things. They give yeah. away a big twist, <laughs> which, which, oh. which, which is terrible. Yes, yeah. yeah. Wow, it's a it's a bit of a win lose situation. I think is is how I would describe that. Um. All right, and all right like it won't be a spoiler if you've got good kind of. Uh, villain radar. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. I mean, we'll get into the spoilers. Right? There was an entire decoy character who was deleted, which is amazing. Which Andrew will love the decoy character who was oh, wow. deleted, unfortunately, I think. Okay. Um. All right. I would. I guess, look, you've come this far. You've watched Halloween 4, presumably. You've watched Halloween 5. This is 5. the last one. Once this, you've watched this, it's this, over. <laughs> this is like the end of the Nader. I promise the next one gets better. And then the one after that gets really bad. But. 
this is like the end of like, you'll never watch three Halloween movies that are consecutively as bad as this one again. So, I mean, look, you may as well have that lived experience. Speaking of 90s things, you just mentioned Nader. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With that in mind, we will segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Spoiler zone! So, Luke, what is Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers about for you? The Curse of Michael Myers is about the ancient Celtic tradition of Samham <laughs> and how uh, there's uh, e- the alphabet is evil, and you but but you can you can double negative. It's like maths. You can double negative <laughs> evil letters with a few rocks with positive letters, as in every generation. There is a Slayer, and uh, The Shining is a good movie, but also Halloween is a good movie, but but also uh, I, I I don't have enough money to make a good movie, so I'm, I'm just <laughs> going to try to jumble together what I have over the next four weeks and and see what we what we end up with. I mean, it's it's incomprehensible, largely is my point. Uh, for for me coming in to to the end of the the Thorn saga. Uh, but you know, I think, like all Halloween movies, I think this is why Jamie Lee Curtis circled back around to this franchise in the end. Uh, Halloween Six is about trauma. <laughs> Elaborate. Well, like the the familial trauma that 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 we see in this movie, which is part of what makes it kind of a, a bummer, uh, is, I guess, very broadly thematic in how it ties to, to, to the earlier parts of the series. And if they had committed to that idea or really any idea, the movie would be stronger for it. But the problem with this movie is that it, it just keeps picking up and dropping ideas so readily that none of them kind of arrive at any kind of satisfying conclusion. Like the, the main character, the, the, the Strode family that we see in this film, which is Cara, her son Danny. Part of the yeah, part of the family in which Laurie was adopted into. I got that yeah. right. So uh, are living John. in the family home of the Myers. Other stroke of yeah, <laughs> yeah. So John, John is the brother of Laurie's adopted father. Yes. And her adopted father was a real estate agent. He was trying to sell the Myers place at the start of Halloween. He apparently couldn't offload it after it became a multiple murder site. Um, so apparently the, the his brother moved in is, is what I gathered this to mm. be. Again, this is the thing where you can feel like Ferran definitely had diagrams and family trees. Mm. And was like, he had to like, like the wall that Paul Rudd's like, you know, Tommy has here. There was like lots of red twine and Pepe Silva tying this movie together. Tommy is such a self-insert character. Like it's not even funny in this movie. Yes. But, but, oh. but that idea of using a big high concept of of like a generational curse to tell a story about a generational trauma. And like, this is a family that continues trauma by, by keeping secrets and by, you know, like uh, having this like violence going on and this kind of unspoken uh, kind of familial trauma that goes on between 
Or John the, the abusive father. The, the, <laughs> the lady? <laughs> Where did I become the lady? <laughs> no. <laughs> so the characters are just not memorable enough for me to no. to remember their, their, their names. And I'm terrible with character names anyway. But the... the, 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 the Kara? Yes. Kara, yes. The, the, the abuse that we see w- w- within the Strode family uh, and, and how that has driven her away but then brought her back and, and all this kind of stuff. This would all be compelling stuff if the movie was committed to it at all. Yeah. Or had any idea where it was going with any of it. I feel like as well, it's needlessly complicated, but knowing that it came from a super fan kind of makes more sense. He obviously had in his head that we all had this knowledge too, and we were going into it with this knowledge. Yeah. And that it would all just make sense, and it doesn't. Like immediately, it takes you a few minutes to be like, wait, these are the Strodes, and and that's her adopted dad's this is the brother thing. and and, so, and who who is the father of that child? Is he the father of that child? The that's the, 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 with Kara, the little boy who's creepy. I mean, the the implication is that he might be thematically. That's what um, I that's what I thought watching it, and I was like, why have they hinted at this but not outright said it? And sorry, the, the fact that she sorry. comes back and what? Who who are they hinting is John. Uh, John is an asshole. John, yeah. John, John might be the. Father. Oh, that's what I thought. Watch it again. Oh, like, into the... like, this is this is this is another. Uh, this is part of the natural born killers script <laughs> that <Yeah>. they kept. <laughs> well, like you can tell. Read again. I've read through the documentation from the earlier versions, and like you can tell that this is one of those things where as scripts go through development and as they get rewritten. Things hang on that people have no idea why they're there. Yeah. So elements remain I was, part. I did write down where are all the daddies, and and I I I got an answer to one of those. Yes, you yeah. did get an answer to one like, of those. That you didn't like, want. Nobody wanted that answer. There's, there's two different versions of it. One is that there was like genetic tests, so he was born to the that that the baby. The, who was called Stephen? Yes, um, <laughs> was born through like IVF, right? Yes. So the the, the un- uncle didn't have sex with his niece, but yes. there's another version where they did. Right? Yes. Well, that that's basically the the two versions of the movie. The theatrical cut. So basically, the movie branches off significantly in its third act. There are lots of changes in the first couple of acts. They're mostly about cutting down like the the Donald Pleasant Sam Loomis stuff, oh. like a lot of really unnecessary stuff, like the bit where he explains he got Loomis. what. Dr. Loomis to you, please. Cassandra. (laughs) But he, he, um, the bit where he explains he got plastic surgery, for example, is cut out of the, like, the actual cut. Because God forbid the kids might get a couple more seconds of, like, Donald Pleasance. Uh, But it really starts to diverge as you get towards the end. And by the way, obviously, uh, Luke mentioned the opening monologue, which is from, like, the notes that Loomis is writing. They're read by Paul Rudd in the theatrical cut. uh, Because obviously kids love that sexy Paul Rudd. But when you get to the third act, kind of, uh, wastes uh, Paul Rudd. Oh, I I want to talk specifically yeah, about Paul sorry. Rudd later yeah, on because yeah, we, we have a we have a that is Luke asked why God why, <laughs> and the answer is because Luke used to host a podcast to which this feels very germane. Mm-hmm. Um, but the third act diverges dramatically, where in the producer's cut it is made pretty explicit that. The child Stephen is the product of incestuous rape by Michael Myers of his niece, Jamie Lloyd. Mm. Uh, by the way, we should note Danielle Harris didn't return for the role here. Yeah. The role is played by J.C. Bandy. Um, Harris had literally got herself emancipated from her parents so she could reprise the role. 
because she wanted to work longer hours on this movie to prove that she could do it. Uh, but they only offered her a thousand dollars to appear in the movie. They offered okay. her scale. That's what? Yeah. So Absolutely. horrible. She, like, she's already established that character. Yeah. And she was like, look, that wouldn't even have covered like how much I paid to get emancipated. She was like, oh boy. That <laughs> 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 like, goes back to her parents. Yeah. She, she moves home and her father's like, and that's what brought you crawling back. It was all great until you turned up on our doorstep. Sorry, we should not make jokes about the Harris family. But basically... Um, yeah, so basically they offered her a grand and she was like, no, just just no, I'm not working for scale on this project. Yeah. Um, and yes, $1,000 was worth more back then. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, not that much. But basically in the producer's cut, it's implied that Michael raped uh, Jamie and that led to the birth of Stephen. In the theatrical cut, it gets a lot more dead ringersy. Where there's like lots more footage of like uh, labs and fetuses being grown. And it's kind of implied that like Dr. Terence Wynn is like doing like experiments growing yeah, fetuses. You see a whole load of uh, failed versions of Stephen, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, in jars. In jars, yeah. And there's more of that in the theatrical cut, which is more like, okay, no questions. That's where the baby came from. But yeah, like it does feel like that is as icky and as horrible as that is, that is kind of what the movie is about. But because it's, it's very, with all due respect to, to Ferrand, it's very fan fiction-y. It kind of gets lost a bit. It is. Where it's like, this is about, as Luke said, generational trauma. It's about this idea of implied abuse. It's the idea of the home being this place where terrible things happen um, and where your relatives hurt you and scar you and all that sort of stuff. But the movie never commits to it in any meaningful way. It never makes a coherent statement about it, I think, which is a, a big issue with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, I, I, I think um, the Sam Haynes stuff is, is probably done more coherently and sort of feeds <laughs> into that generational trauma. What's the um, idea of sacrifice? Theme? Like the yeah. idea of the community. Again, he, I think he mentions it's Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. Ferran says, like, that was a big influence on him. The idea of, like, a community deciding to sacrifice a family to protect itself. Yeah. Um, which, again, feels but like the, something the, very the, 80s the, or very the 90s. The sacrifice, I guess, ha, ha, has not been consummated, like, fully. And yeah. that it, it it's kind of, like, suspended because of, like, the evils of law enforcement and, <laughs> and psychiatry. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Dr. Loomis. Damn yeah. you to hell. It, but, fe- it feels like a lot of killing happened. <laughs> like we're, Just not the right killing. Yeah. Well, does Michael turn the gun on himself at the end? Michael, <laughs> by the way, is very well behaved. <laughs> in, in the producer's gun. He's just kind of like standing there waiting for his turn. Yeah. I think in the theatrical version, he turns on them as well. On yes, the yes, he members. does. The, the, yeah. the, the it theat- seems more in character. <laughs> well, again, the theatrical cut was very much like, how do we correct this? Like, the theatrical cut just rips out most of the Cult of Thorn stuff to the point where, again, I watch these two movies literally side by side, which is the best way to watch Halloween 6, <laughs> to have two versions of the movie playing simultaneously. <laughs> and, like, you will note that they cut, like, individual lines. Like, they are that, like, how much of this stuff can we scoop out before the movie becomes incoherent? Where, like, even that stuff where he's talking about the Cult of Thorn, he they cut out all the reference to demons to stars to chronology to time to like the 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 years lining up and it's just like thorn was a symbol of a powerful force 
uh, that demanded the sacrifice of one whole family every season. And it's like, that's it. That's all you get. That's all. There's no other kind of like, I know that, you know. So I know. have to be a certain size of family to qualify. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just pick an orphan and be like, there we go. You problems. also probably have to kill like the, the sheep and the ox and things like that. It really feels like like Paul Rudd has just like skimmed a Wikipedia article and he's like half remembering. So like uh, the, the alphabet and the some letters are bad, but some of them are good. <laughs> <laughs> like he he he's... didn't scroll all the way down, you know. <laughs> Who's got time for that, Luke? Who's got time to check the references? The the thing about like, like the kind of half assed like uh, Celtic thing about like uh, uh making sacrifices to protect the community and all that kind of stuff like you can again like it's on the cusp of an idea and you can tell yeah. it's a good idea because it's done better elsewhere like if they had because all the stuff with like hattonfield in this movie where hattonfield just wants halloween back yeah <laughs> like halloween crazy town and they, and they, and they want it back and they're like oh, what's a few deaths if we get to go trick-or-treating you know like the this is we we you know Stephen King has done this other other series have done this he, yeah, there's yes. and like there's almost the, the way the Haddonfield has been used in the more recent Halloween movies maybe not effectively but that you can see him circling around an idea here and then getting bored of it and going off to something else because again want to talk the, about Haddonfield actually yeah Haddonfield I, fucking sucks what a shit house town. <laughs> <laughs> I I was conf- this is Pasadena, right? Or at least parts of it. It feels like they're back in the same place as the first movie, and they were somewhere entirely different in four and five. <laughs> nope. They were in like one house in four and five <laughs> for all all the set all the sets. Well, yeah, five this, five is one where one. they look like they redress the same hall over yeah, and over, yeah, over yeah. and over and over again, and, and none of them are the movie from the original, no. uh, or the house from the original movie, I should say. But this but one they, was shot this in one, Salt Lake City, apparently. Yeah, but it feels like the original Halloween house, doesn't it? Or am I imagining that? More. It certainly feels more than five does. I think we yeah. talk, like five feels like it's this kind of European gothic giallo horror. Like it feels like the Myers grew up in a mansion where like a vampire count lived. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like. You can sense we- that fan conviction of, no, this should be happening in just an ordinary suburban house. Yeah. But then. Oh, but like again, the fan enthusiasm of oh, we've got to go back to the asylum. It's like no, we don't. We don't have to go back. <laughs> and like, sorry, it, it doesn't like what is that place? It looks like Freddy's torture chamber from A Nightmare on Elm Street. Like when the movie starts it, off, I'm like, where the hell is this? Obviously, not the best circumstances to give birth in. So, like, pregnant it, people don't watch this <laughs> if you're pregnant. But absolutely, <laughs> it's it's not a great watch if you're pregnant. But um. Yeah, I just and then when they go back there, it kind of looks like a different place almost. I wasn't sure they had. It looks like a set from like Diagnosis Murder. When, That's because, exactly because it's exactly tied it to like. the reveal. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. and it's like yeah. when you make a reveal and then something is less interesting because of it. That's. That's not but it's good. also it's also those two things don't seem connected. Like yeah. As, yeah. as much as you guys had issues with Halloween too, at least that feels very set in that one hospital and each area of it. You're like, okay, we believe it's here. With this, it's like this office where the big reveal happens, 
and the torture chamber. It's like, that doesn't feel like it's in the same place. It doesn't even feel like it's in the same zip code. It's what makes it so yeah. funny. When Wynn like... reaches over and hits like the, the conference call. He's like, could you bring the implements down to the torture chamber, Marie, please? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but like when, when, when Mitch O'Reilly like knocks out Donald Pleasance and he's like, it's his office now. It's like, <laughs> it's just such a, <laughs> such a like weirdly unserious moment for this like cult leader. Like. It really is. I mean, that is, that is Mitch Ryan from Die Hard, to be clear. Yeah. Sorry, not from Die Hard, from Lethal Weapon. From Lethal Weapon, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's funny as well, because it really... It, Mitchell Ryan's a, a great actor. Uh, he, he's great in Gross Point Blank as as Mini Driver's dad, you know? He's, he's one of those great character actors, but just his presence really, in addition to that hospital setting, really makes this movie feel cheap. Because <laughs> he's such a, like special guest star on like murder she wrote type of actor or star yeah yeah dad on star yeah 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 it absolutely just, it just kind of brings the movie down like he's got a star power but him as like <laughs> the man in black just kind of isn't really giving what they want to give well you know the deal I... with the man in black well two two things first again this gets back to the fanishness of it do you guys know who terence Wynn was no <laughs> He is the guy in the original Halloween who says the immortal line, he can't even drive a he car. Even, yeah, I was thinking that might be... He was one of those guys. Because yeah, you, you you have them... Or, or, is he played by, like, Clint Howard in... No, he's played by Udo Kier. Udo in, Kier. Ah, oh, Udo. In, 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 the, in, the, um, in the obvious the Rob Zombie remake. Oh, that was a which, guess. I've never seen it. <laughs> what a shot. Um, <laughs> But it, it like again, and it does feel like they're setting up like Rob Zombie's Halloween Six with Udo Kier in that role. Now that that would be something to behold. But like, Win is never even mentioned by name no. in the original Halloween. Yeah. If you want to know that that is the character of Win, you have to read the credits of Halloween nineteen seventy eight. You've really unlocked this movie for me, Darren, by saying it was written <laughs> by a fanboy. Because like that is such yeah, a yeah. Me too. Me the too. Only, like the only characters have to be characters that already exist in the thing that I liked. <laughs> You know, yeah. even like you mentioned Rise of Skywalker earlier, even the theatrical version of like, no, he was grown in a test tube to revisit <laughs> the retur- diminishing returns from the old good movies. <laughs> I mean, like, and, and also Mitch Ryan, you mentioned he has a certain star power, special guest star on Diagnosis Murder, Murder, She Wrote, Star Trek, The Next Generation. Do you know who the original pitch... Highlander, probably. Probably Highlander. Do you know, do you know who the original pitch, the original actor that... Ferrand wanted. Now, Ferrand was overruled uh, by both Akkad and by Weinstein, but apparently the, the writer had an actor in mind that he wanted William to play. Shatner. Close. Really? Leonard Nimoy. Okay. No, you're, you're, not, you're, you're not in the wrong area, but you, he was close. He wanted Christopher Lee to play that role because, and again, here we get into the fantasy. Listeners cannot see Joey's face in reaction to that. He wanted Christopher Lee to play that role as an in-joke because Carpenter originally wanted Christopher Lee to play the role of Loomis in the original Halloween. I do think Christopher Lee would have been terrific. Of oh, course. Absolutely. And I, I think he, he would have he would have done it too. Yeah. I, mean, I mean... It would have been a better movie for it because, like... There's a little bit of something to be had with 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 Ryan and Pleasance together, but you're not. I don't buy them as colleagues, really. No. Whereas <laughs> no. if you had, I, 
him and Christopher Lee and like even I think of Christopher Lee and grandmas too you'd be like of course Christopher Lee is fucking up this this hospital you know <laughs> of course he's I mean, twisting like, this 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 medical facility for his own cultish end you'd already have like a spin-off comic book series slash animated tv show that'd be like Loomis and like Wynn mm-hmm. like the junior years I would like to say I and I I I like Mitchell Ryan even in this I, I no I, I do I, yeah, I, I think he's charismatic. Like he, he is trying to bring a kind of a star energy to this role. To his, to his credit, like to like when he shows up, he's like, "Hey, I'm TV and films, Mitch Ryan." I'm like, he is operating at a class, I think, above where this movie lands. Yeah, he um, is. He's- he has like a sheen. Him and him and Pleasance both. Like Pleasance yes. is such a that that classical british like the show goes on even if it's garbage kind of actor <laughs> and even in his like final days you know he's giving this so much more than it deserves uh, and he always has and it, it makes it's what makes loomis like such a great character because he's such a terrible doctor <laughs> yeah well, it, but it, it's it's a it's a more kind of a sophisticated mature loomis as well mm. though it, it's not the kind of completely deranged loomis that that we've grown to expect but from, I, from like he he, f- he doesn't five, he five do- previous movies yeah. he doesn't blow up a gas station this time yeah he, he he's 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 much um, <laughs> or uh, like calls the death he's of, mellow like, yeah he's it should have opened with him like in a hawaiian shirt like his room was just like there's just smoke it should have been like <laughs> And a true fan would have been like, Donald Pleasance is John Carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> he's just vibing. He's smoking a bowl. He's having a great time. And he's getting dragged back into the Halloween, you know? But I, I, I like think... like that moment where he t- he turns and goes, no, not dead. Just very much retired. And I'm like, wow, it looks like you've sorted through some of your stuff, Loomis. Um, yeah, it's nice. If they hadn't got Christopher Lee, because again, like, I think Mitchell Ryan is... It, it's, it, I don't think he's bad in this but I don't think they quite thread that needle of like if they'd had Christopher Lee that was like oh you're going to be my successor we you you get it Sam you're we're we're on the same page here I think that would have many productive years ahead of me before I retire that would have come across <laughs> a lot more because I can understand the the cult of thorns conviction that that Lewis is one of them because it's like you're always screaming about your patients being pure evil and having no heart and like so <laughs> like why wouldn't you believe in like a generational cult of of, of evil and sacrifice you know i mean again uh, this is one of the things can i say as well his house is very nice yeah <laughs> it, it looks is like a cabin. yeah it looks it's like a cabin lovely in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's really warm. cozy yeah, yeah. warm yeah. and coming a nice retirement <laughs> home um like, it is worth noting that in Ferran's original pitch, it was going to be revealed that the entire town of Haddonfield nice was in drinks on it. cabinet, but it oh. doesn't seem like a problem drinker. That, no, it, like... That's sorry. almost something. Like, the, the thing with the old lady is almost yes, something. Miss Blankenship. Yes. Who is a reference to Halloween 3, by the way, you'll be thrilled to notice. Oh. A character in Halloween 3 is named Mrs. Blankenship, which is why the character in this Oh, movie there's is- there's a lot of that, like the, the man being called Deborah, all that kind of thing. Oh, like it's, so... Yeah. John and Deborah. John yeah. and Deborah. John Carpenter, Deborah Hill. Such a groaner. But, but the, why the, is that dumb? I, I don't understand. Because Deborah Hill and John Carpenter Hill, yeah. and Deborah Hill. Ah. The mother I'm and surprised father. that she was killed uh, like before John. I suppose you don't want to give the audience John straight away. You want to make him wait. Yeah, because he's such a 
he's such a prick. Like, we want to really enjoy it. Win is like, kill them, Danny. Especially John. <laughs> kill him first. Yeah, kill him slowly. <laughs> I do. Uh, I like the moment when the man in black's costume is just hanging in the office because I was like, was it there the whole time? And, and did no one go, what's that? <laughs> Well, why do you have why, that? Why, why does Wynn show up with spurs? Like, yeah, why is he wearing spurs? I actually, I was, what I do in my off time, it's none of your business. But like, I wrote in my notes, there's no shot of the shoes. All we got yeah. in the last one was a shot of these shoes. And it's like, is he wearing them? And of course it is revealed that he is wearing them, which as you say, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, like, Sorry, we, we cut you off with Miss, Miss Blankenshek, is what you were saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yes. like, Miss Blankenshek. The, the, the idea of, like, she's right across the road, and, like, she seems like such an innocent presence because she can't hear anything and, and, and all this. She's heedless. Yeah. She's old. But then she betrays you. Like, that's that's pretty classic horror stuff. Like, we love a creepy old lady in, in, in horror movies. Uh, the, the problem is, again, they, they don't commit to the idea of people in the town being in on it. Uh, and also, with all due respect, this old lady, she's like a, a good old lady actress in a horror movie being like, aha, I was evil all along. That can that can take you a long way. This She is not selling this reveal <laughs> at no, all. No, it's, 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 a, it's a lot like most of the reveals in this, maybe even all of the reveals in this. It just kind of lands with nothing. Like if you had like a Lynn Shea in that role... She'd really be like, "Aha! You see, you thought I was sweet and innocent, but the cookies are laced she, with poison." See, this is it. She she doesn't suddenly become become revealed as sinister. She just kind of says that she's sinister, but still comes across as the same. Yeah, she <laughs> totally does. And as well, they don't build to it enough, and they don't stay with it long enough for it to really land. It's like, "Oh, where is he? Oh, oh, it it was you. Okay, Le- next. Like, it's just Luke, I." I believe there is a hot fuzz reveal um, at the end where where it's like uh, Mrs. Blankenship um, win. I think the sheriff is there as well. As I, in fact, I wonder if hot fuzz was directly influenced by this. It feels like a what? I'd say so. But if <laughs> well, you hot fuzz, been... hot fuzz is a slasher. Edgar Wright has said yeah. so himself. Yeah. Well, he also says, I am a slasher. That is how the villain of that movie, we're in the spore zone, Timothy Dalton, introduces himself. <laughs> the, the, the thing about like the young people wanting Halloween back <laughs> and the young people getting the shock jock in and, and all this kind of stuff. Like he, that, was originally, he was originally supposed to be Howard Stern, apparently. Yes. And Stern was like, nah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Stern turned it down to play the role in Private Parts. Stern wow. was like, I have these two options on my table and I'm like, I'm doing Private Parts instead. You'll be th- Do you know who the second choice was? Is it Tarantino again? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was not. This is Mustafa Akkad. Now, you got to keep in mind, Mustafa Akkad is like a veteran producer. He's like, I, I know. Boris Karloff. <laughs> Is it Christopher Lee? <laughs> no, shock, shock twist. No, it's Mike Myers. He wanted Mike Myers I to heard, play the shock job. I heard about this. I heard that. Wait, was that about H2O? I read yes, some. Yes, there's another story about H2O yeah, we'll tell but, next week, but yeah. But it, do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Jane Saul and Bob showing up in Scream 3, and a lot of people hate that, but I love that. Because I get the joke because in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, they're in Hollywood and they're trying to stop their movie getting made. So it's like, yeah, of course they would be there. That makes sense. I would have loved to see Mike Myers. I'm surprised he wouldn't do it. He seems so fun. The offer never went out. The Weinsteins vetoed it. The Weinsteins murdered that one. Specifically as 
Um, Austin like, Powers. As, as Wayne. Oh. <laughs> you can see where guess, my loyalty right? lie. Because <laughs> if it's I like a radio they're... thing. But the thing is, right, he obviously at some point in his life had to change his name from Michael to Mike because people were probably giving him such shit about Michael Myers. Is, um, is it, 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 I th- isn't Wayne's World also in Illinois? Oh, yes. Oh, it's a correct. shared universe. Good point. Yeah. But it is a Paramount Pictures, unfortunately. Oh, okay. so, I mean, the rights issues would be... Good. I do like the, the shock shock in this. Like, when you remove Howard Stern from context, Howard Stern <laughs> is a very <laughs> underwhelming name for the bad boy of radio and that, that kind of tiresome persona. <laughs> and in this, it's like, he's just Barry. Isn't like, Barry from EastEnders. Like... <laughs> Barry Sims. Back to And he gives it loads. Like, again, there's no hanging around. He's just obviously this lecherous creep from the outside. Yeah. Like, the way he's the way he's talking to her when they're doing their interview, I'm like, just get up and walk away. It kind of... It, you, can, you can... It definitely makes sense that they offered this to Howard Stern. It does. I remember... Do you guys know the episode of The Simpsons where Bart gets the older brother, Tom? Yes. Uh, so Tom was supposed to be a, a guest starring Tom Cruise, but they oh, wow. they couldn't get Tom Cruise because and you think about it like he's got the motorcycle and he's the best at everything and and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but they they by they, the way two fifty noted Tomologist episode. Uh, yeah, what is this episode? This is the one where Homer ends up adopting a little brother in competition. You remember? Oh Pepe? yes. Pepsi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um when they couldn't get Tom Cruise, they were just like, We'll just have no guest star and just change nothing. Is this so uh, with this, it's like they obviously were planning to get Howard Stern and then when they pivoted to Barry, they were like, Yeah, but Barry's just Howard Stern, isn't he? Yeah. I even much. think the fucking horrible like bark like a dog shit that he I'm pretty sure that's a Howard Stern go to as well. Like Yeah, it would be. Which is it's grim to experience, you know. The misogyny so- <laughs> definitely is so <laughs> Yeah, we should note, by the way, that like Leo Getter, the actor who plays Barry Sims, is now best known as a producer on The Closer. That's apparently what he works as today. He's now a producer. Is that show still on? Uh, I think it ended after like five or six seasons, but oh, it ran a but while. But he's still a producer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're always a producer. For, for a given value of best known. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, the, the, the shock jock stuff was one of those where they're like, this needs to be the movie of the nineties, and it's like, I'm I'm calling from in the future. No, it doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Get rid of they all bet, this. They bet on the wrong stuff. Like that that line, "Relax your crack" as well. They were like, "Oh, this is definitely something people say." Relax your crack. You've met kids, right? You, yeah, you've heard of kids. They they say things like this. The right? the like. Teen Boy Strode, uh, when he's introduced, it's like, oh my god, they're really front loading this, and then he doesn't talk like that for the rest of the movie. Absolutely, like, and and sorry, all the plaid as well. Like at one point, someone's wearing a plaid hat and a plaid <laughs> shirt at yeah, the same backwards. time. Backwards, wearing a plaid hat backwards. Luckily, uh, nobody is, spits in it though. There are scenes like this that actually feel like a bad movie from the future is flashing back to the nineties <laughs> and being like, "This yes. is what it was like in the nineties. People wore plaid yeah. bucket hats." And it's, <laughs> it's and it's like, the no, kind of thing that you watch and you're real cynical. You're like, "It wasn't like that." <laughs> okay, let's talk about the night. 90s-ness of it and then we'll circle back around to the Halloween-ness of it because this is like Andrew's like this is exactly what Darren wants to talk about (laughs) Um, like this is incredible 
Did, what did Francis Fukuyama say? <laughs> yeah, something about the end of, of time, maybe? Uh, but, like, it, it does feel like it's very much a product of, like, that snapshot of that unipolar moment. The kind of, like, you have this conspiracy theory. Francis where, Fukuyama's never-ending story. <laughs> yeah, um, the classic that is. But you have this idea of, like, conspiracy theory, which is huge in, in the early 90s, where, like, um, and obviously becomes a movie in 1996 starring Mel Gibson. But, like, you have this idea of, like, conspiracy being a huge part of the arc and the narrative of the 90s. Um, you have, like, the vast right-wing conspiracy, you have the X-Files, you have Oliver Stone, you have all this sort of stuff. And here you have this weird thing where we are trying to explain Michael Myers. We are trying to come up with some rational theory that accounts for this senseless act, where... In 1978, Michael Myers is this dude who killed his sister and it made no sense and nobody understands him and his psychiatrist doesn't understand what he's doing or why he's doing it. He just knows that he is the pure embodiment of evil. And you flash forward to 1995 and all of a sudden there's a wall full of documentation. There's newspaper headlines. There's snapshots. There's computer graphics. There's I love the way it's like named child um not slain <laughs> like, um, Tommy Doyle survived Tommy Doyle survived <laughs> Tommy really had to go look yeah. for that headline yeah, yeah yeah he probably had that printed but, like, himself newspaper headline what are those novelty na- newspapers <laughs> names an eight year old but as not a victim that he's not yeah. killed yeah just to- it's like don't worry everyone and it's like the next page is like that girl victims. as well who you don't know yeah <laughs> we have her first and second name uh, but it, it it does feel like it's a product of that kind of 90s moment, that post-Cold War moment that we've we've got everything figured out. We're now completely relaxed and we have to make sense of everything. Everything has to fit into some grand plan. There has to be some grand purpose. I, I know you joked about Francis Fukuyama and the end of history, but the idea of the end of history is you stand there and you can look back. You can look back over your domain like Alexander the Great and try and make sense of it all. We talked, yeah. I think, when we talked about the first Halloween movie, like Judith Myers died on Halloween 1963, three weeks before the Kennedy assassination. And so much of that movie, the original Halloween, is about the randomness of violence, the senselessness of violence. Nobody yeah. can figure out why Michael Myers is doing what he's doing. He's unexplainable and he's unaccountable. Again, that sense of 70s chaos, uncertainty, random acts of violence, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You get into the 90s and you have this idea of conspiracy theory that ties it all together. You know, it, it it's no coincidence that the Kennedy assassination, which, you know, again, we we tied to that idea of Judith Meyer's death. But the Kennedy assassination becomes this ordering principle, this like mystery that we have to explain at the heart of the American experience. And, you know, I'm not saying Michael Myers killed Kennedy, but I'm also not not saying that on my big red board. But I mean, even even stuff like the the comparison that Ferrans makes to like the lottery, this idea of a community that decides that somebody has to sacrifice, somebody has to suffer in order for the community as a whole to get by. That also feels like something that kind of comes or is is percolating through 90s culture. The the X-Files is a great example of this, where it's like. America in the 90s is relatively politically stable. It is relatively economically prosperous. It is relatively peaceful. And obviously there are exceptions to that. I mean, you know, there's the racial troubles around O.J. Simpsons, the L.A. riots, all that sort of stuff. But I mean, compared to the war on terror and where we are today, 
you understand why people are so nostalgic for the seeming simplicity, the seeming passivity, the seeming prosperity of the 90s. Yeah. And during that time, you had a lot of pop culture that was like, yeah, things are things are pretty good here. But what is it that accounts for our success? Like, what got us here? Why are we living this life of luxury and peace? And the X-Files, which, again, to, to tie it back into this conspiracy theory stuff, this secret history stuff, this account of, you know, this explanation of the seemingly chaotic world around us, is all predicated on the idea that, like, American prosperity is built on dealing with the consequences of terrible choices that were made long ago, whether it's, you know, the genocide of the indigenous population, whether it's Operation Paperclip, bring Nazis on board to work on the space program, that, like, the icon of American exceptionalism, whether it's the syphilis experiments conducted on African-American men, whether it's the, the you know, the LSD experiments, the radiation trials, I think whether it's Japanese internment, there are these chapters of our history that we don't talk about or that American pop culture doesn't talk about, but which is the basis of this myth of the American century. And, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, I don't think that, like, Curse of Michael Myers is doing it consciously, but I, I do think there is an element of that here as well, where Michael Myers is the demon that the price we have to pay, the sacrifice we have to make. In order for Haddonfield to be this prosperous community, we have to have a Michael Myers almost, you know? Yeah. And you, you have that here. I mean, that scene where Wynne is talking to Loomis and he's talking about how, you know, you have the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You've got famine, pestilence, death plague wandering the earth and the only way to keep them in line is to let michael make that blood sacrifice let his family be sacrificed we have to it really underlines a... plague uh, like yeah, if we is... talk about hiv oh yeah that was quite unfortunate as well yeah i, I, I figured that's what yeah. they were talking about this is a bummer or ebola it would have been around the time of ebola as well right because you would have had outbreak in cinemas you would have had there's a, what's the red zone is that what the book was the famous book about the ebola it was big into ebola at that time yeah so, I mean, it may not have been a homophobic age. I figure just because it's an evil old man, like, being like, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, what with this right. plague, I Fair. figured that's what he was going for. Mm. Fair. I felt like that, too, yeah. So did I. I don't think he was talking about Ebola. That's, okay, okay. Okay, fine. I mean, if, we, if we're going to be I look, I mean, look, generous, let's not cancel, we, we let's not cancel Terrence Wynn on Fair. It's just such a, I know he's like a cult leader and all. But it's just such a spurious connection to make with like, no, no, this this guy needs to stab people. Plagues. <laughs> well, I, I do love, by the way, that it's, um, whereas it, it's the Barry Sims who's like, you mean to tell me that you live in the house of the most famous mass murderer in history? I'm like, no, they don't. Paul Pop's house is down the road. <laughs> um, I'm like, but, Michael. <laughs> but they name drop a load of other very famous serial killers like Dahmer, yeah. um, Ted Bundy, Bundy as well. Her. And I'm like, did Michael Myers kill more people than that? <laughs> I'd say so, I'd say, right? say so by this point, yes. I see, yeah. I'm very confusing. I'm like, why name drop them? More confirmed kills, because like Michael Myers is very okay. inelegant, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there were like 16 people, right, in the first and second movie. Not, none in the third. And then like 18, I think, in the fourth. Like he, he goes buck wild in the fourth. And then the yeah. fifth, he's he really kills tons strut, of people but, uh, in the police station and everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and, in and, the and in the pickup truck, there's like... like Four people and yeah, and I think, I think like like I I feel like you 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 do 
mass murder is a disservice when you name people like Adolf Hitler and Pol Pot <laughs> in 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 the in the list. They're they're like they they subcontracted that they, out. To... This, this is something that they have again. They they they've tried to do in other Halloween movies where like Haddonfield as this uh, like ground zero of a infamous event uh and like the the kind of the response of the people living there to what has happened there you know uh and you look at those movies and think oh this isn't being done very well but then you look at this earlier example and it's like oh it can be done worse um and even like <laughs> it can always be done even worse. like t- tommy again it's a similar kind of thing with Laurie in when when Jamie Lee Curtis comes back, this kind of this victim of this this traumatic event and stuff, that is quite poorly done here because it's like they don't it it's kind of like Tommy's incidental. It's it, it's it's even yeah. though they explicitly say all this stuff happened around him when he was a little kid, they kind of drop that immediately, and he could just be anybody with an interest in this case. Yeah. Uh, he and... he also has kind of a school shooter vibe as well. Yeah, big like time. It's a, it's, a, it's a very very strange performance. The weird voice he's doing is very strange. Yes. A bit when he runs into the hospital, he says, "I need to see a doctor now." Yeah, yeah and, and it's no, an actor and... that isn't quite sure what he needs to give. Yeah, how to give it. Or what he ought to give, what what his thing is going to be. It's definitely not like a Paul Rudd performance. But it's probably bad direction. I mean, he probably read that script and was like, what the hell is this? I don't understand what's even happening. Well, it's because, you know, you think in the same, around the same period, you have him being cast in Clueless. And like Clueless is a famously very well cast movie. Yes. Clueless, he films Clueless after this and it's released before it. I think he also yes. did a Nintendo ad, right? Isn't that the other thing? And then the object Very of my important. affection as well was 1998 as well. But, yeah. but Clueless is just like hit after hit of, of, of a casting session of people going, this is exactly what we're looking for and this is exactly the kind of actor that can do that. Mm. Yeah. Whereas this is very much an actor being like, I need work. <laughs> at the lead in a movie like yeah and then i'll figure out the rest as i go along and without a director that is able to bring him along it's yeah it's just a very confused performance that again that that idea of the the kind of conspiratorial 90s and the idea that you know there's something secret going on in your town and the fact that in fact there is like i think that's a real thing in the 90s with those conspiracy theories is that the the stories that each of them it was often a vindication of conspiracy right you know we kind of see people now as being like sucked into conspiracy and that being the kind of tragedy for them whereas i think they're like if tommy has grown up feeling like everyone's out to get him and then it's actually true (laughs) again there's something there but yeah i get part of the confused edit of this and part of the uh i think overly enthusiastic kind of a approach to the storytelling by our fanboy <laughs> residents means yeah. that this is not really about Tommy at all. So all of the stuff to do with him is just kind of an afterthought. It peters out into nothing. And then yeah. it's like, no, yeah. no, he's the expert. He knows how to do the runes. And you're like, I don't fucking care <laughs> about this though. I I'll say a couple of things. I, I think a, mo- a movie that has this character and does very well with him is probably Donnie Darko. Um, yeah, and and a, a second thing is, I I don't think the runes thing is done well, but I think 
I was wondering about the movie. It's like, is there a problem with Michael Myers that he doesn't have vulnerabilities, really? And and do do I like? Then when I discovered that like in the that they establish a sort of a, a vulnerability for him, like did I I I I think I I think I kind of liked that they tried to do that or that that was some, one of the things that um that the writer I suppose added to this. Um, it is very it is very fanboyish though, where it's like there will be columns and there will be strengths and weaknesses and those will be Yeah. Curious. It's very it, super mad is vulnerable to magic and you're like fucking whatever, Mary, getting your locker. Like. Okay, yeah. okay, maybe we can go that far, Luke, but <laughs> right, like like but is is that a problem with Michael Myers? I, I don't think it's a problem with the first movie, but I, I think it does it become a problem? It's like what are you going to do? Well, like this, like, this argument's come up again with the new trilogy. Like I remember after I saw, I think it was Halloween Kills, there were like people in the bathroom afterwards being like, oh, I can't believe he can't die. Like, what is he, a ghost or something? Right. So that, yeah, unfortunately, as long as it's gone on, they have had to justify it more and more. There have been hints that he's, you know, kind of immortal or just that he's not human. So it is a good point. Me personally, I didn't get any of that from this particular film that he they, he any, had any kind of real vulnerability. I mean, to me, again, one of the core problems with this movie is that Michael Myers isn't scary. He does lurk a little bit better than he did in the previous two. Um, and there's some kind of decent kills, but he still doesn't look right. He still doesn't move right. And unfortunately, what we've, I think, kind of discovered as we've been watching these the movies... mask as well. Yeah. Yes, the mask still looks very strange. It's too big for his head. But I think what we've discovered as we've been watching these movies is that the more you overcomplicate it, the less engaging it is. And that's really the problem with this one in particular, is that it's just such a mess of ideas that even Michael Myers himself kind of gets lost. Even Michael Myers is kind of an afterthought. We. We should mention, by the way, that Michael Myers here is played by George P. Wilbur, who is the ca- the actor who played him in four. Oh. John Post from five does not return, unfortunately. Well, it's like, um, Joe is exactly yeah. right, because I think the five minutes where this movie is working is when it's a Halloween movie. It's when he's just killing Strodes. Yes. When he's going through the family, <laughs> and it's not amazing, but it's like, oh, there's something here, you know? It's tense. There's, yeah. there's a tension there where you're like, what's going to happen? Well, the best shot in the movie is the white sheet, is the blood on the white That's, sheet. That's, yeah. Oh, yes. like it's hard to see Deborah killed. Yeah, poor Deborah. Hasn't and she been through enough? Her realizing that there's somebody intruding at her home and like trying to run away and like, getting caught in the sheets and all that, having her little Valma moment. That's something. Yes. You know? Yes. There's something there. It's not particularly well directed, but you can see a yes. good idea. Uh, the close-up on the runners is a bit much. The repeated close-up on the '90s sneakers is something that took me out of that scene. Um, well, there there are some wild camera angles in this. Like, there's the uh, the angle where the crotch is just coming at the screen for no reason. <laughs> like, it's sometimes you're just thinking, why have you put the camera there? That Batman and Robin moment. <laughs> He's doing a Schumacher. Oh, I love Batman but- and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> that was on purpose. <laughs> there there was a producer's note on this that Michael should be, and I quote here, should, quote, be humanized in Halloween 6. As he opposed- definitely was. Yeah. And the audience should, and another quote here, develop a sense of sympathy for him, which yeah. is interesting. Well, he's kind of a little stinker in this movie. He's kind of a little prankster, you know? He likes <laughs> making his little dioramas. <laughs> yeah. Setting setting the bodies up so, for to spring load them later. It's kind of a post... This is a post-Home Alone, Michael Myers. <laughs> 
And he does Car- it the first one as well, to be fair. Kara's kind of saying to him, uh, Michael, you don't have to do this. Like, look what look what they've done. And like, you're, you're you know, you, you don't have to, you don't have to kill me and you don't have to kill this baby. And this is your own child. They did this. It was a nice try. Um, it's better than saying, oh, yeah. he, he has no heart. Let's lock him in a dark room and hope he never breaks out. Yeah. He's pure <laughs> evil. Like the idea that he's cursed, Easy but limits. he's a cursed person. Yeah. I mean, this again ties back into the 90s-ness of it, where like, there's a lot of like MacArthur preschool kind of stuff here, which like, again, if you remember, there was that big wave of satanic panic in the 90s. Again, the bit where Paul Rudd takes the ruins out and throws them on the floor, it's like dice. It's like Dungeons and Dragons dice. Mm. The druids that are wandering around look a bit like you kind of imagine the satanic panic, kind of like punk rock or kind of like grunge metal metal whatever uh kind of again dungeons and dragons-esque kind of appearance but even things like the the family and the idea of like that repressed trauma we mentioned where like where michael assaulting jamie is meant to be some sort of subliminal mirror representation of the implied abuse that you know john inflicted on cara that stuff does feel like it's very much tied to it do you guys remember like the mcmartin preschool stuff where there was all this these young kids in the 1990s by the way it's kind of it's weird how it feels like john is slut shaming his daughter um, and calling the child a bastard if he was the one who did that he's just an out and out asshole there are no layers to that character whatsoever and he start he starts at a 10 and it goes that performance goes nowhere he just stays Hmm. there I I will note that like one of the big differences between the theatrical and the director's cut is the amount of gore. So like there are lots Mm -hmm. of insert shots where like, for example, the trucker who as Farad notes, why is he drinking beer in the rain? (laughs) Like, why is he standing out in the rain having a beer? Hard life being a trucker. The one where Michael grabs his head and twists it. (laughs) The, The one where he grabs his neck and twists it in the theatrical cut, you can see the bone break the skin. The killing of John in the theatrical cut is kind of glorious because in the director's cut or in the producer's cut, he just kind of gets thrown on and kind of fried and he slumps the, over. Yeah, would also electrocute Michael, who's yeah. in, in, invulnerable. Yes. Mm-hmm. But in the theatrical cut, he gets fried, gets electrocuted and his head explodes. That would have been so yes. much better. That would have been so much more satisfying. I, Instead, it just cuts it, to the outside of the house and it looks like fucking Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> it's wild how it, how, how it does that. It's like it's like he's cut his head off and he was a Highlander. Um, yeah. They, it's, it, they, I, I think it's, it's, it's kind of rubbish that there's a wet floor and he doesn't, and, and he gets electrocuted not in relation to the wet floor, but by just like shoving him <laughs> off of the wet floor and <laughs> into, into an some, yeah. Socket, yeah, basically. that's a good at point. The, at the beginning of the movie, when, when Michael impales that uh, that lady, doctor, I keep saying lady. Well, I don't know, I'm sorry. I'm trying to call myself. <laughs> lady! I'm trying to call myself in the loop and I can't stop. Like the, 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 the nurse. I mean, it is the early 90s. She was a lady doctor. Yeah, we're all ladies. The, the nurse that the, that 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 helps uh, that helps her escape, he kind of impales her. And it just is, they're just in a corridor and there's just something yeah. to impale her on, on a la the first Halloween. And it really makes Michael come across as like a, hall- a video game character. It's just yes. like... This, this it's it's just context specifically like you just you build up your finisher and then you press a and there just is a spike there like but again it's it's like you say it's fanboy shit it's someone yeah. 
not necessarily understanding the mechanics of storytelling and being like, well, there's a spike there. I want to do the spike. There's a spike there. I do like how he kills Jamie, though. I thought that kill was pretty vicious when she's like, oh, help me. And he's like, no. Nope. <laughs> well, you know that Jamie two has ways two different. Yeah, yeah. The theatrical cut and the um, director uh, sorry, and the producer's cut. In the theatrical cut, he throws her on a piece of farm equipment and shreds her and she dies much earlier. She dies in the farmyard. Oh, I've seen both. Because I've seen okay. that. I okay, don't... where she gets the bits through her middle and it just kind of like scratches he, at her. And he turns it on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's probably the best kill in the whole movie. And then Michael just throws a thousand dollars in bills just into the shredder as well. And it's like, there you go. That's what you're <laughs> worth. <laughs> and, and then obviously like in the producer's cut, she survives the encounter at the farmyard. And then Wynn just shoots her in the face. Oh, that's a bit of shit. It's somewhat underwhelming. Um, shoots her in the head with a silencer and like Donald Pleasance is so disappointed with it he's just there at the hospital being like that's a fucking shit kid lads it's a horror movie like there are no professionals here that was one of my biggest problems with Terrifier um, which I just hate those movies are so misogynist and terrible but in in the first movie that at one point he just pulls out a gun and shoots somebody and I'm like that's not slasher lore you don't do that in a slasher ever Dr. Wynn didn't even go out into his car and pour petrol over himself. (laughs) Blow blow himself up. That would have been good. Commit to it. Um, That movie is good. Let's not reopen the Halloween 3 debate. (laughs) With regards to the Tommy Doyle stuff, we mentioned the idea that Paul Rudd doesn't know what he's doing and the film doesn't know what it's doing with Tommy Doyle. I suspect reading interviews with Ferran, the screenwriter, a large part of that is down to the fact that like what the movie wanted Tommy Doyle to be changed dramatically in the middle of production when they realized that maybe Donald Pleasance didn't have 22 more Halloween movies in him. Um, Because apparently Pleasance, when he showed up, he was like, I thought Halloween 5 was going to be my last Halloween, but then I read the script for this one and it was great. I could do 22 more of these. Um, Oh, has he he, he gone a bit off in the head? (laughs) As he starts, when, to, starts to lose it a little bit. Uh, well, when he got to set, they noticed that he was not the man that he once was, which is grand. He's, you know, as you get to a certain age. And apparently the plan was for Tommy Doyle to be the new Dr. Loomis. Uh, uh, <laughs> that don't like that. The plan. Don't like that. They were going to replace him with Paul Rudd. Um, By the way, what age are these people? I feel like Kara yeah. is oh really... Oh my God. Paul like, Rudd is 52. She, she looks about 30. Doesn't she? Uh, but she's in, when she went to high school, I was like, yeah, sorry, what? She starts, <laughs> because like, I'm minimum. like, well, she's in college. She is in college, I think, isn't she? Or is she going to college? Uh, I think she's in college, yeah, but she even seems like she's a mature student. Oh, I thought that was high school. Well, she may be going to college because he does say going to college won't erase your mistakes or whatever. So I don't know whether he means she's currently going or she's, oh, she's preparing. Okay. Yeah, yeah the, right. the ages were all over the place. I think she's studying psychology, which they, yes. I don't think they do in high school. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah she, she, she does seem like she's in her 30s. And I feel like Jamie as well. Like Jamie looks about twenty five. Yeah. And I mean, if Daniel Daniel Harris, excuse me, if she did get to play her, she would have only been like seventeen, which would have made yeah. more sense because it would have been about right. Yeah, maybe would have made some of the subtext of it even more uncomfortable, though. Perhaps I uh, suspect. Um, just to come back to the Halloweenness of it again, that feels like another '90s thing where you have like Barry Sims is like, and there's another thing. How did he she convince the judge to to? to sorry. <laughs> 
if that was the reason why, I, I feel like there's more to that. It's like, will you? Okay, well, this is by her account, horror to be movies. fair. They're, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is Los Angeles. It's Gavel like the whole smack. industry. Yeah. The whole industry keeps the economy going. Yeah, the judge probably gave her his card, his fucking, his headshots. Like, you get yeah. a yeah. Maybe a judge could uh, convict Michael Myers and then get stabbed yeah. or hit with a gavel, you know? <laughs> I mean, or, I mean, set up a runner. He could come back again, you know? He could be a recurring character. I hear you're looking for a new Dr. Loomis. I could do that. I have my own black robes, you know? I could be a, I could be the cult of Blackthorn, you know? I could play that. The People versus Michael Myers. Oh, wow. Now there's a pitch, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I... And to bring it actually, back... Actually, you know, that would be... so If it was, like, an OJ trial type it, thing. Around the same time as OJ, exactly! <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He and he dies. gets off at the end. Yeah, well, well, no, that, that's it. He just sits silently throughout the movie. The entire movie is just him sitting. So he's not chained up in the court. He's just wearing the boiler suit and the mask. And he occasionally <laughs> leans over as if to whisper to his defense lawyer, but you never hear it. Johnny Cochran is also such a, this guy's going to get bumped off in a horror movie type personality. <laughs> <laughs> like, they totally could have made that work. Um to to get back to the Halloweenness of this, and like again, the the town of Haddonfield celebrating Halloween again feels like it's a nineties thing. Where Barry Sims is like, well, "That's one thing Michael Myers killed the economy." It's very much like we're in the nineties now. The economy's booming. The recession's over. No stress. No worries. I feel like the movie doesn't know what the nineties is. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. It's, it's like oh everything is in crisis at the moment isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it's just like changing so much um, but it is also like we want to have parties we want to get loaded but it's like it's like an older person's idea of what teens are like you know because it's like yeah. they they bring in the shock jock to make a big impassioned stand for having halloween, halloween. <laughs> like, aren't they already having halloween yeah i, I, I was confused by I, it looked like they were yeah like people it, wearing costumes and trick-or-treating and everything is <laughs> it that they didn't have halloween in 1990 to 1994 but now they've lifted the ban in which case doing it does it feel like the argument is somewhat overplayed why why, are they why so is he allowed come there if they're canceling and halloween people it's a are good question people are like either like Michael Myers is like a fairy tale and it's like well it's only six years ago like it's, it, yeah, it is actually again, he blew up a police station like, it he... is similar to Star Wars turn where it's like yeah funny <laughs> yes. old religion that's a million years ago that's old news baby and it's like it was like two weeks ago like <laughs> I I, I, do, I do like that like Loomis like immediately the, the police chief is yes. like, hey, Loomis, we don't need you here, okay? <laughs> With your crazy stories. If you're here, a Halloween movie is going to happen. <laughs> exactly. I, I do like that Michael This burns. is a quiet town. <laughs> really? Burns, like, he's good at branding. He burns the Thorn logo onto the hay as well. What what would be much more realistic in these kinds of movies if, is if they spent, sent Loomis into space. Because it's like, <laughs> it's people like you that make a horror movie happen. You know, like if, if 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 they if they said Sydney from Scream into outer space, a Scream movie wouldn't happen. But Loomis is the harbinger of doom, except that he doesn't only appear at the beginning. He's there the whole time, being like, "It's going to happen. Ooh, watch out." I do like though that he's he's clearly learned his lesson and like stops bothering law enforcement. Yeah, like, he has one conversation with the sheriff, and he's like, "I've seen this movie. Don't worry, we'll, we don't need those guys." Yeah, a cap. He's not. 
It's not like you, you, you have to let me help you. <laughs> but <laughs> kill that boy. <laughs> but that's why, like again, with Paul Rudd being the new, the new Loomis, like Paul Rudd causes a fuss in in the hospital and gets security after him, and it, ha- it takes Donald Pleasant as being like a oh, first time kid, like grab a hole. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna wander down this hallway. You're, you're, you don't do exposition at the front desk. People don't like it. You got to do it in a little side room. I'm really concerned for the welfare of that child, like throughout. Yes, like, the baby me too. is left in uh, a bus station overnight. Oh, <gasps> that really shocked me. That really shocked me. To be fair, it, it is somewhat undermined by the fact that there clearly isn't even like a doll in the bundle of clothes that they're holding at any given time. Yeah. I feel like constantly using a baby that's very true but sorry when they do that reveal because i thought she'd left the baby in the truck obviously it's not in the truck and then i was like where has she left this baby when you find out it's in that cabinet i was like seriously apparently nobody's been in that toilet all day either but they haven't cleaned up at all it's the 90s there yeah (laughs) people just ignore there's like blood all over the floor and like paul Rudd's the only one who notices it i was watching it with petrina it's like nobody cleaned up that floor and it's like not everyone is so dutiful in their job as uh, (laughs) (laughs) as you and i evidently (laughs) not yeah but that again feels like something that somebody wrote just for convenience sake that doesn't when you think about it for a second doesn't make any sense yeah because you're like what and there's so much blood like he doesn't just see blood on the floor and as Darren says, like, yeah, has no one been in that toilet that would hear a baby crying? I, like, do, are, have you been to the toilets in Basaurus? Like, <laughs> it's a kind of, so it's like, bus station movie. toilet is a place that you'd want to avoid. It's a perfect place to hide a baby. <laughs> oh, God. Um, not not a nice place for a baby, though. It's a great place to hide it. The Basaurus toilets are more like Saw than Halloween. Yes, you know? I definitely. I can imagine being chained up in those. Oh, oh god even the connolly ones which are nicer are terrible like i i i have yeah I, okay so the connolly ones are like saw and Bosaurus is like saw three <laughs> when it's getting grimier yeah what to, to get back to the halloween stuff i promised this earlier so we're paying up we're wrapping more up. than once okay. i've left the toilets oh. in connolly and chundered <laughs> like what? it's bad i have to get a member of staff to like yeah i'm like i'm sorry but your toilets are really bad can you clean up this puke and also the toilet that caused them <laughs> um, <laughs> okay <laughs> but like i promised earlier like you mentioned the the subtitles give away the fact that win is thorn like yes, whenever whenever yes, the man in, yeah whenever the man in black is talking to uh is it danny the it subtitles say the man in black no it just says win, win. Oh, murder them all that's bad win, that's win kill them so all bad. that is yeah. bad but that's real amateur era stuff as well like it is yeah. As Andrew said, like if you if you got good villain radar and you're like, there's one new character in this movie played by a genuine movie star. Udo I'm- Kier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Udo. Like an Udo Kier type. Um, but apparently there was a decoy character, and Andrew, you will love this. It was apparently going to be the mayor of Haddonfield, who was like apparently very eager to open the town up. Mayor Fawn. <laughs> yes. Exactly. That was apparently the model. Eager to open the town up to Halloween, not caring about the amount of bloodshed and carnage that came because it's good for the local economy. And apparently he would have dressed in all white. Oh. So that's the, you got your man in black, you got your man in white. Uh, 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 All right. I also like the the reveal at the end that Michael didn't take Wynn's shoes. 
that he like Michael plays dress up and he wears the hat and he wears the coat but he doesn't take the cool like spurs they wouldn't fit yeah they probably wouldn't fit it'd take too long you know he has to take off his own boots he's always wearing boots (laughs) just like Ghostface Michael's kind of hat suits Michael though you know (laughs) it does he should incorporate a hat into his outfit you know normally it was kind of a bit um it was a bit Resident Evil then when he had the big coat and the big hat on it's a good look for him you know um all right, is there anything else in the movie we haven't discussed or anything jumping out at you guys? Anything you want to discuss? So, Joey, anything in your notes? Uh, there's a picture of Divine from Pink Flamingos on Paul Rudd's fridge. And he also <laughs> has a Sisters of Mercy poster. Amazing. I, I enjoyed both of those. I also wrote the hair metal take on the theme. Like, it's what you would expect Rob Zombie to have done. I... I will put my hands up and say I did not mind no. the kind of like the early '90s take on the theme. I thought I thought it made sense in a way, but it's so funny that like Rob Zombie went the other way and just did like love hurts. Um, and the only other thing that's jumping out at me is that there's no POV shot. Yes, there's just no POV, and that's such a specific, um, something so specific to Halloween, and they just didn't do it. And it's so easy to do as well. It's like, why leave this out? I mean, this is the thing where, like, there was supposed to be. Like, they were supposed to shoot that scene that was going to introduce Tommy as a POV shot where the camera go into the house and go upstairs to his bedroom and find him there. Oh. But the wine scenes were like, no, nah, it's just too, too much time and effort. Got it. Shoot- oh, I thought that was Michael. <laughs> no, sh- shoot it from the outside, shoot the door, and then cut to the bedroom. That's That's how you do it. This creepy school shooter kid's bedroom. Um, oh, sorry, Danny. It's it's Danny. Apologies, not Tommy. Aww. It's, Danny's it's also the, creepy. Danny's that is fair. Danny's they're both creepy. Yeah, yeah. they're both creepy. <laughs> um, a lot of creepy kids in this movie. But, but I don't wait. think Stephen's going to be okay. Why does that? Why does Danny not tell his mom what the uh, what the man in black has been telling him to do? It's like, oh, he says bad things, and she's like, like what? And he just says nothing. Well, I don't think he's. I don't think he's discounted the idea that he's going to kill them all. Okay, okay. I think he's like, he doesn't want to warn Kara. Yeah, you tell them, you're kind of, you're taking that option off the table. Yeah, no, just because it reminded me of Ralph being like, he told me to burn things. (laughs) I was like, just, just tell her. Danny's another thread in this that just peters out into nothing. It just goes nowhere. Exactly. Because they, they want Michael Myers to be killing people. Exactly. And there's, they, they don't take note of the fact that it would be really cool if this little kid was influenced by him because I guess they've already done that with Jamie Lloyd and then just dropped it again yes. in the next movie so they're like we're not doing that again there'll be but a hint a- of it and that's all you're getting he's the successor but like you won't really require him until he's much older and the world has gone to shit again they were probably <laughs> gonna do they were probably gonna get out into all that with the next one because like this one is clearly like yeah there's still a little juice in this 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 storyline like Loomis is like oh no I'm gonna hang on here because um I've got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, what is that ending? It's like, Desperate he's going to kill himself, right? I I mean, that is one of the paradoxes of the movie where like, Wynn is like, oh, by the way, it's time for Michael to pass the mantle to the next You're generation. You're the dog now. What? But yeah, but also, uh, Loomis, I want you to mind Michael for the next little while. It's like, pick a lane, Win. Either like... Michael Myers locked himself in his trailer and he said, I'm not coming out until you should see it. <laughs> I, I, I mentioned Michael Myers' vulnerability to runes earlier on. And he's also vulnerable to pokers. I, w- I, was, I was looking... You know that poker from like Batman where he's like, you want to go nuts? Let's um, get nuts. It's, it, it's, it's, it's that same poker, but I've never seen it used so effectively. Because <laughs> she clobbers. Kara clobbers 
Michael Myers. He falls down the stairs. And yeah. he's out. He's pretty, like, he's he, pretty he's much out. out. Yeah. He then is. he gets up, grabs her, and she just wraps him with the poker. And he's like, ow. Point, point <laughs> taken. Yeah. Stops what he's doing. Like, it, it's incredible. Maybe all they ever needed from Michael Myers was like a spray bottle. You know, like he is just pure evil. You know, he he isn't human. He has no heart. But like every time that he's gone to stab another person, if he went, no, <laughs> yeah, bad Michael. exactly, bad Michael. I uh, I do like that he's a. Uh... Kara had the measure of him. I like. Yeah. <laughs> I like that he's driving the Smiths Grove van as well. I thought that was a nice touch. Like again, we see him driving, but he's driving the Smiths Grove van because it's like, yeah, what else would he have got? Uh, well, Wynn is like, make sure you return it with a full tank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wynn's like, don't scratch it's it. It's one of the few pleasures of Michael Myers' life. Like, it, it, maybe a Street 60, uh, 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 a Road 66 movie would have worked because that's when Michael Myers is really at his happiest. Yeah. It's the only pleasure in his life he ever gets. Yeah. He do. He does love to drive. I feel he's... He loves to drive. And in Halloween, when he cruises past, that great shot of him cruising past in the background, yeah. like, he's quite a safe driver as well, you know? <laughs> yeah, he indicates. I, yeah, he's not a bad driver, by any means. I feel like he's happiest when he's like leaning over his hot rod with like a greasy rag, you know, <laughs> just like tightening. Well, that's why um, he's wearing a boy. Oh, like Megan yeah. Fox esque, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I like, by the way, the idea that he's wearing the boiler suit because it connects him to the cars. Like that's yeah. the fetish. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. people focus on the mask, but really the boiler suit is like connects him to his gear headwards. He's the the Dom Toretto. <laughs> <laughs> it is all about family for me. It, it's it all Amer- American muscle cars most. As well, I think uh, so. Maybe Tarantino was onto something. But Luke, is there anything from your notes? Anything you want to talk about that we haven't discussed already? The uh, the only thing is my favorite line in the movie, and it's when the like teenage boy Strode finds out that his house is the murder house uh, from his girlfriend, and he goes, "Great house, strong wood." Which <laughs> is very funny. Like he's his father's son in that moment. He just says, like, the only thing he has to say in reaction to that is, uh, um, great house, strong wood. That's very, very funny. funny, though. It did it? make Lots me laugh footage. a lot. Like, and and uh, on purpose. So I have to give the movie that. Yeah. Yeah. And Andrew, anything from your notes? Anything you want to talk about that we haven't discussed already? I mean, the that dare shake that um uh he makes for Danny. Oh, the stomach um, pounder, which is a reference pounder. to the fog. That's yeah. another John Carpenter reference because of course it is. Oh wow. So <laughs> so it, that probably gets pushed Ooh, uh, uh, poured poured down the, the the drain. That is some food waste. That is food waste. And I feel like the man in black is 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 maybe reminiscent of of the Android Samurai and Robocop 3. Oh, God. <laughs> Obligatory Robocop reference. Fair. I like that we're really stretching it at this you point. You have to get it in there. That's it. Michael Myers is like being brought back by uh, like an entity that wants to control him in order yes. to police a small town. So he is kind of like Robocop. <laughs> this is correct. Yeah. I mean, like it's not New Detroit, but Haddonfield is New Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a, what, what is it when we see, do it a second time again? It's a gratuitous Robocop reference. There we go, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then do we have any inappropriate smoking? Now, the guy's having a beer. He's not smoking. I guess, as you, I think you said we're reaching the kind of the end of that period of, like, American cinema. Of, yeah, like, of just people smoking. Like, that's it. People are kind of, like, being... People are yeah. sort of be aware that smoking is bad. Michael Myers Although kills, happy... but so does smoking. Well, I think if you watch a movie and it's in the 60s, you'll see, like, smoking again and... 
Like whether it's made in the 60s or set in the 60s. Yeah. Someone smokes it's, it's, in the next one at the beginning. Oh, okay. Well, that's a that's I don't want to say don't want to say who it is. It's a spoiler. Yeah. That's a tease for <laughs> yeah, what's coming there you up go. next week. <laughs> All right then. I think then that about wraps it up then unless there's anything else anybody wants to talk about anything we haven't discussed already and jumping out at people. All right then. What we normally do at the end of the podcast, we ask our guests to recommend something. It can be something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie, just something that brings them joy in these uncertain times. To give Luke, to give Joey a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. A couple of things I enjoyed. One, with uh, plenty of smoking, because it's in the 60s, (laughs) uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, uh, Shaka King. I don't know of anything else that Shaka King has done. It was a kind of a Ryan Coogler production. So I guess props to Ryan Coogler for giving... Um, platform exactly um because he he knocks it out of the park it was devastating just did i i i i thought it was a terrific movie and i thought um lakeith stanfield uh was excellent i know um daniel kaluuya got got a lot of the kind of recognition for uh yeah he got the oscar yeah Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he was also uh, nominated for... Well, it was because of the lead. It was a question of, like, is lead... Is yeah. There a I think they, they, were, they were both uh, yeah. nominated for supporting actor, weren't ah, they? Yeah, so which one has a lead? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So Kalu- Kaluuya won the best supporting lead. actor. Um, but I, I I thought Stanfield was was um, was terrific as well. It's Because it's very kind of conflicted. Stanfield um, tends to be. Stanfield is low-key brilliant. He's, like, he's a really underappreciated performer. He was great yeah. in The Haunted Mansion. <laughs> the new haunted mansion. <laughs> um, mostly underappreciated. Hey, he's but, good. <laughs> Even when the movie's bad. <laughs> but no, I, I I thought that was terrific, and as I say, devastating. And kind of the, 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 you learn a little bit as well, um, because it's um, it's some stuff that uh, like actually happened and definitely yeah. shouldn't have. <laughs> um, uh, Is that our hot take on the podcast? <laughs> um, <laughs> And and also the the um, uh, actually no I won't I won't recommend it I've recommended something I'll recommend something else uh, next time I like that we have to we're getting to the point where we have to ration these yeah after. we can't we yeah. can't because yeah. we're doing so many of these yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and recording them so can't close together can't just be spaffing off two recommendations <laughs> yeah for, can't yeah. just fire them into the air um, and I do feel bad for Joey because normally your guests have like months and weeks to come up with recommendations <laughs> but Joey's like oh, I gotta fire off 13 in however long the window is recording this so I'll give Joey a chance to think about it and ask Luke to go second uh well all i can i mean it's, it's kind of not really a recommendation but i do recommend that people go and watch it so i guess it still counts paul rudd is a very talented performer uh, even if he is not very good in this and he he found his footing as as he as he went on in you know alternative comedy and and, and then different comedies through the late 90s and early 2000s before becoming like a big a-list star so i recommend that that viewer that listeners go and watch the celery me celery man sketch from Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job. <laughs> Which is kind of similar to his Tommy here. He, I mean, it, Tommy has that Michael Myers screensaver thing for his <laughs> conspiracy logging on his his nineties computer. It's a kind of a comparable thing to the the kind of absurd uh, anti humor uh, of of Tim and Eric and the salary the salary man sketch remains one of the best things that Paul Rudd has ever done. That and Wet Hot American Summer. Which is also kind of a few little strains of Tommy still in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he he made use of what he had, which is a good thing for an actor to be able to do in the long run. You know, you you hold on to every little thing, you know, 
and it will pay off later. It's all grist for the middle. We should note, by the way, that Rudd is apparently not embarrassed by his work in this film. Good. He apparently, according to Daniel Ferran, the screenwriter, whenever they're on flights together, they just talk about how much fun it was to make this movie. Apparently, Paul Rudd seems like a really nice guy. He looked well, like yeah. he was enjoying himself. At, yeah. at least. He wasn't, he didn't have that kind of deer in the headlights look of an actor being like, oh shit, my career is over. Like he, well, he had, didn't, uh, he didn't pull a Jared Leto and go, I wasn't in that. <laughs> and yeah. Harry, Harry well, would be like, yeah, un- yeah, you were. No, <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> Unlike Jared Leto, I think that, like Paul Rudd always has a sense of humor. Yes, that's a things. good point. It's a good yeah. point. <laughs> um, all right then. And Joey, what would you recommend? I was thinking about this. I was thinking about what's a great sixth entry in a slasher franchise. And I know Ooh. some of you guys are going to disagree with me, but I don't care. I love Scream. Star Trek 6. I love Scream 6. I love it so much. I just like people were so mad that um, it starts off and it seems like it's going to be something else. And then they don't go down that road. I was relieved because I'm such a Scream purist and I, I was getting a bit uncomfortable being like, oh, no, it's going down a different road. But I don't know. I just think the modern... Uh, the modern takes on Scream are so fun and so funny and super violent and gory. And it's, again, it's a movie franchise that's in conversation with itself, just like it always has been. And I think that's why people, well, it still continues to draw crowds, much like Halloween did back in the day. You know, people don't care that it's Scream 6. They just see Scream and they're like, yeah, we're in. So, I mean, I hope they keep making them forever. I love them. But something else I was thinking about was, I know Daniel Harris isn't in this one. But she is in an episode of Adam Green's show, Holliston, which is available to stream. And he, his character fancies her and he gets her to dress up in the Jamie Lloyd as a clown. And she makes him put on a Michael Myers mask. And it's just this like absurdist sex scene. And then Kane Hodder shows up and he wants to be Jason and he wants to be involved. And it's so ridiculous and so silly, but it's really, really funny. And if you're like a Halloween fan it's very nerdy as well so definitely track that down it's so 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 funny and she's great obviously as well what was the movie we saw recently which 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 had that which which had like a a cosplay um that was uh, Jeepers Creepers Reborn yes it it, it, it sure was it it, it, it also had like a a guy in a a trench coat and a fedora as well yes borrowing the man in black's look from these movies as well in terms of, of recommendations for myself, like as I said, I've been watching the John Carpenter movies in parallel with these movies because I don't watch enough movies. <laughs> um, I've been recommending them as I go. That becomes a bit harder when you enter the 90s. And so in the gap between Halloween 5 and Halloween 6, Carpenter directed Memoirs of an Invisible Man, In the Mouth of Madness and Village of the Damned. Of those, I will safely recommend In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, yes. I do think it's a masterpiece. I think it's a masterpiece. It is. It's, a, it's an underseen film. It is absolutely brilliant. It's incredible. Um, if you haven't seen it, seek it out. It's it's amazing. And Joey mentioned six entries in a franchise. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw one out here, which is going to be equally controversial and shocking. Not many horror movies can be said to have reached their pinnacle, their best sequel on their sixth. Freddy? What? Freddy? I don't know. Is is Wes Craven's new Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street 6? If so, yes. I think it may be 7. I think it's 7. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's 7. So I think it's 7. Uh, it is great, Se- though. Yeah. Seed of Chucky? No. Seed of Chucky's 5. Oh. Is Bride of Chucky not 5? Bride no. of Chucky's 4. Ah. Clearly, you need more lists, Andrew. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Curse of Chucky, Curse of Chucky is great if that's Curse the sixth Chucky's, entry. Yeah, Curse mm-hmm. of Chucky's six. Curse uh, of Chucky is not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's rubbish. It's great. Wow. It's complete shock. Curse of Chucky rules. <laughs> I, I cult of Chucky just, rules. Curse I, I of Chucky that. rules. Cult of Chucky rules. They Curse both rule. Ch- cult of Chucky is amazing. Cult of Chucky is a masterpiece. Um, I was going to recommend Sorry. Saw 6. <laughs> The best horror movie made about Obamacare in the history of cinema. Ah, uh, no. It is the best Saw sequel by a significant margin. I don't... Darren, no Saw movie is good. I'm sorry. The first Saw is great. No. The first... No. Thank you. First... Luke knows what's up. No Saw movie is good. The first one, because it, it's kind of a ripoff of Seven, it's fun. <laughs> but other than that, they're just... I feel like I'm taking crazy pills with the way people are talking about Shawnee Smith in these movies. Are you insane? Did nobody watch Becker? She can't act. I think you mean Shawnee Smith. Uh, Hey, Becker is fantastic. I love love how contentious this has gotten. Hold on, that was a joke. You love Becker? (laughs) Becker's great. Saw 10 is going to come out and like they've got the fan base all riled up being like, ah, the 10th one, it's a story return. And then people are going to be like, oh, no, wait, these movies are shit. And we get lured back every time. And every time they're fucking shit. Sorry to... Steam all your recommendations. But you want to talk about good sequels, right? Saw 2 has that great twist where, whatever, I won't say it just in case people haven't seen it. Now they're doing one in between the two movies. I'm like, yeah. are they going to explain this twist and then it's not good anymore? Maybe but, but we're all... all taking crazy <laughs> we Maybe we Why are. Why are we talking about the Saw movies? We like stupid stuff, things. So, yeah. <laughs> like it's... each of us in our own way. Which one, <laughs> which one is Saw 6, Darren? Is that the one where it turns out that Carrie Elwes is in on it? No, that's Saw 7. Although oh. Saw 7 is awful. Uh, um, Oops, Saw 6 is Saw 6 the one about Christmas. So <laughs> So, yeah, that is also Black Christmas. Good call, Andrew. <laughs> Saw, Saw 6 is the one where it's the health insurance guy. Jigsaw goes after the guy who sold him health insurance that didn't cover his cancer treatments. Uh, so it becomes this metaphor for the American capitalist system where people are constantly trying to scramble to stay ahead of each other and survive. Um, and it actually builds to a legitimately great twist at the end, uh, which I think is brilliant. Uh, and it is it is basically the Saw movie that... like. It's one of the few Saw movies that's like, maybe Jigsaw's not a good guy. Oh. And it reaches that. It reaches that point by going, maybe Jigsaw's not a good guy because he's kind of like the US healthcare system, which is an incredible logical connection for a film franchise to make six movies in. That is why I think Saw 6 is the best. It does also have a weird soap opera plot about like people arguing over Jigsaw's will. Oh, they I'm all not do. even making that up. That's that's a franchise that should go to space, though. Oh, yeah. It would make total... It should cross over with the Fast and the Furious and he should put all them in a trap. Um, and the key is... The key is family. Exactly. All right. I don't know if I recommended this last time, but No One Will Save You is also great. Uh, that is on Fox and you can check that out. That's also on Hulu Plus or on Disney Plus internationally. Uh, Caitlin Diver Dude, fights aliens. All she right. is great. The, the key would like burst out of people's stomachs <laughs> <laughs> and, and scurry away and they have to run after it. Yeah. yeah. All right, then. So if listeners are looking for a bit more Joey, a bit more Luke in their lives, where can they find you? What you at? Watch up to. So Luke, what are you doing? Where are you at? Watch up to. Uh, I am 
as always, I'm on filmanddumb.ie. That's where you can find me writing about why kids love Michael Myers and other various, very relevant uh, areas of, of, of film criticism and thought. <laughs> uh, I'm still, unfortunately, on Twitter at Mr. Cynical. I'm on Blue Sky now as well, thanks to Darren. Aww. Under the same username. I'm Mr. Cynical. Blue Sky. This platform, like I'll ask, or whatever the way their usernames work. So find me on there. That was your fee for appearing in this episode. Ah, <laughs> Jack, Jack Dorsey invited Darren and Darren invited you. <laughs> thank, thank you, Andrew. <laughs> it's like, who's tweeting the most? <laughs> <laughs> he got him. He got the, t- the main two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you're not one for the inane tweets. Like, I follow some people who are just tweeting like, this is what I'm doing right now. Oh, but that's all Blue Sky is, though. So <laughs> Yeah, because it's supposed to be nice. <laughs> no, it's amazing how much um, uh, like content Darren has, yeah. But how well thought out at all. Oh, totally, I agree. You know, no, like, like you know, I'm just like, yeah, no, I agree, I agree. This, but there, there, there's like, there, that's why I left Twitter, because I couldn't keep up with you. Let alone, like, <laughs> you, you did at one yeah, stage. It makes me feel bad, too. It makes me feel bad, too. <laughs> you did at one stage say that following me was enough of a Twitter experience for anybody. I think, <laughs> <Yeah>. Vicariously. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Luke, you are at Film in Dublin. Um, you also have a podcast, the Breakout World podcast. We may point to earlier episodes. I know that's discontinued, but it may be of interest to listeners of this episode. Oh, yeah. Perhaps. I mean, this is probably an episode that we would have done. Uh, yeah. It, it looked at the the breakout roles of, of actors. It was a great idea. I mean, maybe maybe me and Jess will get back to it someday. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that, was, that was why you were chosen. That was why you were the one child chosen to be sacrificed, Luke. Uh, and if I Jess didn't do it, yeah, Jess would be next on the line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. And Joey, where can we find you? What yet? Yeah, watch up to. I'm also still on Twitter for my sins at Joey LDG. So you can find me on there giving out about people thinking Shawnee Smith is a good actor or Tobin Bell for that matter, because he sucks too. Whoa. It's one Whoa. note. Whoa. It's one note. You can't seriously First, tell me there's layers to that performance. Have you seen him in anything else? Because I have, and he's always the same. Yeah, so that's that's the other fucking thing about those movies. They, yeah. they, they all seem to operate on this strange logic of, can you believe we've still got Tobin Bell? And it's like, what else is he <laughs> exactly. going to be doing? Sorry, Tobin Bell fucking who? He ain't no one without Saw. Like, the, the, oh, shit. We can't okay. lose Tobin. We gotta, oh, even no, we, terrible. we, we got to keep him in these movies. And it's like, you could... That, but, the, you know, the people oh, aren't showing back I, for tough. He's not. I'm sorry. He's not a horror icon. He's not Robert England. He's not. <laughs> ice cold. Art the Clown isn't either. Uh, <laughs> Even I think that. Okay, I'm not going to disagree with Art the Clown. Art the Clown is too young, and also those movies are not good. But like, um, right. I, Tobin what? Bell. Anyway, 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 anyway. I just, feel sorry for Tobin Bell for another who's, podcast. Who's, yeah. I'll see you on Twitter, Darren. <laughs> Listen to us for like almost two hours and is down finding out that he sucks. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> And then Andrew wakes up in a like in a saw trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you no, but you just reminded me. I wrote about Saw. Um, my very first piece for Birth Movies Death was about Saw, and I said that Lee Winnell's American accent was shit, which is something everyone says. And he got a hold of me on Twitter to give out to me about it. Oh, I'm sorry. And then I later had to interview him, and I brought it up, and he was not impressed. He's really part of that generation. Generation of really, he wasn't impressed. <laughs> 
He was he was not impressed. Oh, he, he like, didn't he, enjoy he, it. He was, a, <laughs> he was a great interview. Don't get me wrong. And his movie Upgrade is a, and then, is a masterpiece. And then you it's said, brilliant. oh, by the way, funny story. Remember when I insulted you? I was like, do you, you? remember? <laughs> remember when I insulted you and then you came looking for me publicly? Wasn't that funny? For both of us. <laughs> um, Anyway, th- thank you for your time. <laughs> it, it's like that Neil Blomkamp interview with is a Gizimodo where you can see it oh, happen in real time. It was um, Uprox, Uprox with Mike Ryan. Uprox, yeah, 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 where it happens in real time. He really did overreact there, though. I think he really did overreact. You could tell even as a journalist, like it was a it was a normal question. And he tried to claw it back and be like, OK, we don't have to talk about it. And he just you could tell he was like, no, no, you've pissed me off now. I'm but done. anyway. Tobin, I I am on team Tobin Bell. I just want to, Tobin, I support you. Um, I do also love that the the Saw franchise kills off Tobin Bell in the third movie. And yet somehow there Mm. are seven sequels, six of which star Tobin Bell, which is incredible. I love the commitment to the bit without resurrecting him. It's incredible. They never bring him back to life. They just do flashbacks, recordings, video messages, and all that sort of stuff. It's incredible. (laughs) Anyway, you can follow the podcast at Atha250. We're on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and iTunes, wherever good podcasts are found. We'll be back next week. Maximum ratings, people. Please, 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 maximum ratings. Um, give us give us a Halloween 6 if you can. But we'll settle for a Halloween 5. Oh. Yeah, make, make out like we're, we're one of those like um, hotels in Dubai. <laughs> give us... A podcast. Give us six stars, yeah. yeah. Um. But we'll be back next week. Hopefully the fantastic Scott Mendelson will be joining us for a discussion of Halloween H2O. Thank you so much, Luke. Thank you. <laughs> they get better and better. <laughs> oh, yeah. That they get bad again, but they, <laughs> they get better. Get better. <laughs> Andrew hasn't seen any of these. So this is all a joyride. It's a roller coaster. Thank you so much, Luke. Uh, he's having a Thanks great so time. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Thanks so much, guys.